All right, and welcome everybody to episode five of the RF Generation Collector Cast. Um, as usual, I'm your host, Duke Togo, and joining me, as usual, is my co-host, Crabmaster2000. Hey, hey, Krabby, how you doing? Very well. Yeah, I know you've been hiding from me for a long time. Yeah, a little bit of scheduling conflict there, but we're all sorted out now. Yeah, well, it's good to have you back on board. Hopefully we'll get back on a regular schedule now, huh? That would be nice. Yeah, and uh, joining us this week, we've got a special guest. I'll let him introduce himself. Hello, everyone. This is Wild Bill 52 from the RFGen forums and uh, other forums as well. Yeah, I'm sure everybody probably knows Bill. He's um, kind of, if even if you've not been to RFGen, if you've listened to the previous episodes, he's kind of <laughs> taken over the small scores thread for a little while. Yeah, he's got some competition this month, though. Oh, yeah, we're going to take Bill down. He's done this one. Yeah, I don't think I, uh, there's definitely not anything this month that I can compare with. You got a, a handful of people who are trying to take it. <laughs> yeah, we've got some uh, some nice competition uh, this time. I also want to mention a little thing about how to find our show. Um, we are also now on Stitcher Smart Radio. So you can go to stitcher.com. They've got an app for uh, iOS, Android. You can listen to the stuff on your PC or Mac, and you can subscribe to our show and get it through there. So if you're on the go, no worries about downloads or whatnot. You can get it right from Stitcher. Um, as usual, you can also find us on Podomatic. We're at rfgenerationcollectorcast.podomatic.com. You can find uh, the show on YouTube. You can search for CollectorCast or my channel. Uh, username is DukeTogo74. And, of course, we are uh, on iTunes. Um, we're still trying to get on Zoom, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's happening there. It's like they've just sort of ignored us, I think. All right, so Krabby, it's been, uh, like we said, a little while. So uh, where where have your ventures been taking you in gaming land? I'm um, in gaming land. Nothing too exciting lately. Uh, we went on a, a little out-of-town vacation, so I, I checked out some pawn shops and, and other places uh, in some newer cities, but uh, I didn't find anything too exciting. Yeah, but it's uh, kind of fun to get yourself back into the game, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> good to get out again. Yeah, I've been um, I've been having a lot of luck. The little local game exchange here. I and we'll get into the small scores, but man, they've been having some pretty good stuff cheap. So man, if you guys are not out scouring locally, you got to do it. And and um, a few of the yard sale hits. So we'll definitely talk about that. What about you, Bill? Uh, yeah, nothing uh, nothing big. Like I said, you know, still kind of recovering from some of the purchases from the last few months. Where. Uh, you know the big, uh, uh, you know Nintendo score from uh, Tin Star, which uh, thank you very much if you're listening. Appreciate that. And uh, yeah, just like you know, maybe a piece or two here or there. I got uh, the uh, Intelligent Cube from uh, Krabby just a couple days ago, and uh, I I really really enjoy that game. Besides it being a, a cool piece in the collection, um, but yeah, it's uh, been a little nutty. Like uh, lots of you know family in town, my brother's wedding coming up, so I haven't really been out hunting very much. But tomorrow, uh, looking at a couple. Uh, couple of houses, uh, potential uh, living uh, opportunities, and uh, going to hit as many yard sales that is on that route as I can. So, And also, uh, the uh, by the time you, people hear this, it'll, they'll see it on the forums, but the uh, my local store, just uh, the owner is pretty tight with me, so he called me and told me that uh, about 30 uh, Nintendo Game & Watch uh, systems came in. He said they're brand new, unused, so I might go down there and check those out too. Are you just going to clean them out? Uh, you know what? Like, it's... He he will give me decent prices, but uh, I don't know thirty game and watches. I can't imagine him uh, <laughs> him giving those away for like a buck fifty each or anything. So we'll we'll see. I, I know uh, uh, Ten Star was uh, was pushing me to to clean him out. So uh, we'll see if he'll uh, take an IOU on that one. 
I, th- I think you have a potential for profit. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm always about profit. Totally. <laughs> oh, and there's, uh, sorry, there's one other thing that came in the mail today. It's a, uh, uh, I've got a handful of uh, Super Nintendo carts that just kind of sit on my, on my desk. Uh, and every once in a while when I'm, you know, when I'm bored, I'll search like eBay or any number of uh, different sites for, for boxes or manuals to complete those. Kind of like I work on like doing like an orphan or two every, every couple of weeks. So I just happened to do a search for NHLPA Hockey 93 and uh, someone was selling the box by itself for five bucks or best offer on eBay. So I offered a buck and uh, they accepted it. So I got a box NHLPA Hockey 93 now. Oh, you got the sickness. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, probably the definition of a small score. I can't imagine a smaller score than a sports uh, game box. Hey, for a buck, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I uh, uh, I feel a little outnumbered now. I've got, <laughs> I got two cardboard guys on the show, so I, I saw your post in the forum there. You're you're hiding some of them in your place. I have a couple, but you know, I kind of see them as one of these days. If I need to, I will sell off the boxes in order to get more carts just give me just keep my number on file and uh oh don't worry (laughs) (laughs) i know who to go to when it comes to cardboard you and you and crabby and and rich sometimes has the sickness so yeah i had a couple of uh boxed uh, 2600 games that i found on a lot in craigslist and uh he helped me in uh you know trying to find a buyer for them but uh he was uh he was all set so uh i'll find a home for him eventually yeah i'm sorry (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, it was like six copies of Combat or something? No, it was uh, actually, I guess towards the end of its life cycle, the 2600 games were re-released in three packs. and uh, uh, But it was like, you know, three individual box copies, kind of like in an outer shell type box. But the individual boxes, instead of like, you know, wasting money reprinting the original art, they were all done in, in white boxes with just black text on them, no pictures. So, um, it's, uh, I get, they're, they're pretty common games, like... Uh, uh, like slot racers and you know uh, like uh, ch- uh, video checkers, but uh, they're the like the I guess the rarer white box versions. But I threw them on Atari Age, five bucks each, and uh, I guess they're not rare enough to uh, <laughs> <laughs> command any yeah. interest at that price. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. Way to keep way to keep it classy, Atari. <laughs> just, just go with the most generic box possible. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Atari it just seems to be really cold here. Lately, I don't know, but just the market's not great. It's almost non-existent up here. Yeah, I just, and I almost have to give them away. <laughs> People, you know, I've had a Atari game sent in my sale thread for an attorney. I sold a few uh, the other day, and I was like, thank God they're not here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody listening was really eager to find a few Atari carts, yeah, look me up. I'll uh, be happy to make a deal with you. Well, good. Um, I wanted to take this moment to also um, chime in on something that's a little timely. So, uh, when everybody listens, this will still still apply, and that's the the Cheetah Men Two Kickstarter, which man has really garnered kind of a lot of attention. Which I'm sure you know, obviously, is the point. But um, um, what do you guys think of the the Cheetah Men Two Kickstarter? So uh, honestly, I mean, being a uh, you know, I think I mentioned this in the uh, in the thread that you posted was that. Um, being, you know, not as familiar and, uh, excuse me, as being an expert on, on licensed games, I actually had to do a little bit of, I've heard of Cheetah Men 2. I know, you know, Shadow had, uh, had posted this cool story about how he got his copy at a local, uh, store. Um, and, you know, he created that relationship with the owner where, like, they help each other out. Uh, but I didn't really know the whole backstory. So I kind of did a little bit of research and was like, oh, this is kind of cool. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, being, uh, being unfamiliar with, you know, repros, non-licensed pricing and everything, uh, I had to ask a few questions on that. But from what I'm hearing, I mean, 60 bucks is not terribly unreasonable for a complete remade game, especially one that's never been available, you know, publicly in working form. So I think it's a, I think it's a cool thing that it's out there. Um, now I have to take umbrage because I hear a lot of people saying repro when they talk about this and I do not consider this a repro. I mean, it's if if, well, I, it's if a, I yeah if I said that I didn't mean to. Okay, I mean I'm just a lot of people say that, and I this is a legitimate release mm-hmm. to me because I mean it's the original rights owner. They're you know manufacturing the carts. I mean to me this is just a full license title then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can see um, that. Yeah, uh, to me a repro is when someone you know takes property that they don't own, and they reproduces it. It's very, very close to piracy, but we're going to save that for another topic one day. But what do you think, Crab? Um, yeah, I think it's awesome. Um, I, I'm not an unlicensed guy myself like Bill. I'm, I kind of stick to the licensed, but um, I, I'm yeah. with you. I, I would consider this a legitimate release, and if I was into li- unlicensed games, I would be pretty psyched to grab one for 60 bucks. No brainer. Oh, Absolutely. I I threw in like as soon as I heard about it, and I was like, I'm in. I want I want my copy. So, will you, either of you do the Kickstarter? Uh, I'm I'm currently on the fence about it, but I'm very much leaning towards doing it. I mean, it's just one of those things that, uh, and 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 looking at the 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 number of backers, like most Kickstarters, in the first couple of days, they really get you know a ton of money and then things kind of even out and then you kind of see if the rest of the market will will support the product so i think they had about like twenty six, twenty seven thousand dollars uh the first day or two and now they have as of recording on uh uh friday night they have just under thirty one thousand. so they have to get to sixty five thousand. so they have to double uh what they've done so they have 26 days so they have some time but i'm actually you know if if i had to bet if it's actually going to make it there i don't know if i would bet that it would Really? Yeah. I, I think I think somewhere there's going to be some people picking up on the story, and um, I think it'll happen. Especially if it gets really close, I think pe- people will make a push just yeah. to get get the game. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, just in, and in talking with uh, uh, Greg Pabich, one of the main guys who's, uh, you know, put the project together, um, he, he, he's, he's a cool guy. He wants to do it for the community. Uh, he said that he's, you know, him and the team have put in, way more money and time and resources than they're going to get back from this it's really like a passion project for them and uh anytime someone wants to you know take something that they really believe in and you know do something for the retro or the collecting community i think it's really cool so uh, uh I, I probably will end up going for it i haven't yet though yeah i think you know if you guys are on the fence i'm sure that's probably why it's sitting at where it's at because there's probably a lot of people on the fence and i i think if everybody sits and takes a wait and see attitude well of course it won't get funded but you know the thing is is if they don't hit their goal you don't have to pay correct so i i don't really see the downside at all yeah, yeah I mean, there's no there, yeah there's no risk money wise so i don't think the price is unreasonable what they're we're at they're asking for i'm i'm probably out though just because um I owe Single Banana a lot of money right now, so <laughs> I need to pay him first before I kickstart anything. Oh, you don't owe anybody else then, anyway? No, no. nobody else. <laughs> but I actually owe Krabby, so maybe I can just give something to Single Banana, and then <laughs> and then you'll owe less. I got a couple things sitting here for him, too, so don't count me out. No, I, I haven't forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. 
So I'm I'll be I'll be curious to hear more about the Cheetah Men too, but God, don't get in when you can get in. They're talking about maybe like a thousand cart run. So you know, here's your chance. Get in there and and make it happen. This be pretty cool. I think it'll be the first time anything like this has really been tried. I I hope it takes so that um, it increases the possibility of something similar happening in the future. That's exactly what I was thinking. It, it's more than anything else. This gets me excited about the possibility of other similar things happening. Um, and uh, I, not to get too far off topic because this is, you know, kind of out of left field. But uh, what if it's, it could never happen because it's owned by Sega and everything. But what if someone did something like, you know, tried to get the Sega Neptune released? <laughs> Again, wow. I know it's not going to happen, but like it just got me thinking about all the crazy possibilities, like the things that people could do, uh, you know, with the with the right people and like the legal rights and all that kind of stuff. But I'd, I'd be excited for more uh, releases for, uh, you know, like full box releases. Now, one comment that I read on a thread that um, got me thinking was that someone needs to do a Kickstarter and buy the rights from Bandai for stadium events and do another run. Interesting. That is interesting. I don't, yeah, I can't imagine. Do you think there'd be that much draw for a reproduction, or not a reproduction, but a re-release of that one? Look, we're talking about Cheetahman 2 here. <laughs> and it's going. Yeah. So you tell me that there wouldn't be more interest for a stadium event? But people can well, grab world class track meet for five bucks any day of the right. week. That's, right. That's not the that's not the point. You could go get a reproduction of Cheetahman too, fairly affordably. Or you could make your own. Yeah, but the I I I just like you said before, how this is the original like, you know, team or the original like company, I kind of feel like these are the people who were, you know, originally responsible for, for, you know, this series. If someone just decides, Hey, I'm going to buy the rights to this invisible ROM file somewhere and throw it on a, on a cart and make some money off it. Uh, so the combination of that plus the game's not terribly good. And I don't, I don't know. It's an interesting proposal. Like I, I it just doesn't seem that appealing to me. All right. Now, now here's one other possibility I thought of. So, there were a lot of unreleased NES titles. Obviously, there's a lot of reproduction makers making those, but uh, that property's technically owned by some of these companies, like California Raisins is owned by Capcom, and, and we could go down the list. So do you think that maybe Capcom could say, hey, there's no risk involved if we do a Kickstarter. Let's officially release California Raisins. Yes, I, th- that's what I was thinking. And then, again, not to sidetrack it to my crazy Sega Neptune idea, but my the thought in my head was, you know, if Sega themselves decided, hey, like, you know, what would it, you know, they'd have their finance guys figure out what would it cost us to produce these in, you know, this number of uh, batch run. Okay, there's zero risk in putting a Kickstarter up and saying, okay, if we hit this amount, we'll do this. So same thing for other companies, like if Capcom... And, you know, of all the companies who don't mind throwing out games that they've already released before for more money, it's Capcom. So if they want to, you know, <laughs> right, and not, nothing against Capcom. I like Capcom. They make a lot of good games, but they, you know, release. I think the joke on Twitter or something the other day was, uh, like, if you build a new system, Capcom will release an old game on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, Cap- there's nothing stopping any of these major companies from just using, you know, crowdsourced uh, funding to release things that the crowd wants. Sure. Or, uh, I mean, you know, there's there's plenty of prototypes that were pretty much done, um, you know, and they get the repros. So 
Again, why not? Why not come out with an official release for these things now? I mean, it would get the, a lot of buzz on the internet. Again, no risk. Uh, you know, hopefully someone will pay attention to this and want to make a little money and do just, you know, give the fans some love. I hope so. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Yeah, um, cool stuff. All right, well, we'll get on with the show. jump right into the small scores since uh it's been so long since our last podcast there's been lots of time and you guys have been racking up just amazing scores over that time yeah i think we're i um, feel like almost like we gotta have another show episode <laughs> just to fit some of these things in but we've tried to pare it down and so if we've if we've missed you you know we love all of you <laughs> just keep posting yeah um, and and everyone's been slapping pictures up there it's been awesome almost every one of these scores had a big glossy picture on it. it's amazing i love it yeah so if you have to wonder what draws our attention when we fill out our list you know <laughs> we need the it's eye like candy. uh yeah it's like game porn you know <laughs> All right, that draws silence. <laughs> maybe uh, it's not. Great. All right, no, it, so it definitely maybe... is. It's it's like sometimes you just like uh, sometimes you get that itch and like you're like, oh, let me see. Like, oh my god, he got one of those. Yeah, it's yeah, exciting to see what other people got yeah. for some reason. Yeah, and then you're like, son of a, why don't I ever yeah. find that? Yeah. You know? And then hopefully people say the same thing when you find stuff. So it all you know, kind of, it's all cyclical. Yeah. So starting off here, looks like uh, the man of the show is a uh, fairly newcomer robot cowhand, huh? Yeah, he took it away for sure. I don't think anyone came close to touching him this month. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what, he started off with like a crazy yard sale binge? Yeah, he said he, he really loved your, uh, your yard sale map uh, website you mentioned earlier. And he's been raking things in with it like crazy. Yeah, he should really hook me up for that tip. <laughs> I think just to throw some free stuff my way. Come on, man, help help a brother out. What all? So what all the stuff he get there? Um, he got some some GameCube stuff. Um, yeah, and the one lot he got like a GameCube and a Genesis and a few decent games for each. Um, he's been pulling in like awesome looking uh, Genesis stuff the whole month. Just randomly, it looks like. Yeah, he's a big Sega guy, and really, I think he's looking to complete, do a full set of uh, box stuff, so it yeah. looks like he's really on the way. Yeah, awesome progress this month. Um, he picked up, the, like, the Commodore 64 lot. You know, the Commodore 64, uh, I remember, I mean, it, being a kid, my, my, my I had an aunt that had one, and I never real. I just thought it was a computer i didn't realize we were playing on this you know whole like a uh, system by itself so i've never seen one of these things uh, out but i'd love to pick one up eventually and he's got like to have the games uh like uh, boxes and manuals paperwork all that stuff that's really cool to find it like that because i think most commodore 64 uh games you just end up finding like a case of loose floppy disks oh yeah i mean they made some cart games but a lot of the stuff is just people copied floppies you know, and that's that's all you end up with. You're lucky if you end up with some official software, or if the discs even work anymore. Right. 
um, I've got a Commodore 64 set up, and um, I've got a lot of memories. Uh, boy, I really love the 64. It introduced me to a lot, but I'm sure one of these days we'll we'll do a show where we, we talk more about, about some older computers when we get there. So yeah. it was pretty cool stuff. He also ended up with, uh, you know... <laughs> Uh, well, a neighbor gave him some pretty amazing <laughs> items. Free, I was a little bit jealous. Free Action 52 and Godzilla 2 for the NES. Amazing. Yeah, come on. <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> hey, give us, I, I need that kind of neighbor's like, oh, hey, what you going on? Uh, you know, I was just going to toss out this Action 52. Yeah, he, you want it? Here's uh, 200 bucks right. worth of games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, sure. Well, I told you uh, the... the the copy of Panzer Dragoon Saga that I ended up selling for that buddy of mine a few months back, he works at Best Buy and they do electronics recycling. And some customer just walked in with a box and said, hey, I want to recycle this. And they just put it in the back. It was about to go like in a dumpster, a trash compactor, or whatever <laughs> we do with it. And uh, uh, someone said to him, open it up and saw Saturn games and said, hey, isn't, aren't you, don't you like old stuff, Saturn games? Oh, and he walked back. Gosh. It was Panzer Dragoon Saga. It was Panzer <laughs> 1 and 2, all complete. Panzer 1 and 2. It was Guardian Heroes. It was Shining Force 3. What? It was literally the Saturn <laughs> RPG collection. And he just oh, walked gosh. out of the store with it. So this is the thing that really worries me. Think of all the times this is happening where no one is catching it. I know, and people have talked about dumpster diving on the show before, and I've never done it, but it might be worth a look <laughs> in the future. I'm telling you, or I just need to find some inside people you know what i mean yeah, just totally butter somebody up somewhere be like hey look dude you know yeah. help me out i'll throw yep. you a few bucks I, I i know robot cowhand definitely has a lot of great scores i i'm really liking what the group picked up though i gotta tell you that uh uh huge game boy advanced playstation gamecube lot oh uh, yeah it, it is goth uh, club <laughs> His local golf Eight, club that was just 80 85 bucks and everything's like nice i mean there's some greatest hits titles in there but still like xeno gears of a black label final fantasy 7 metal gear uh like how many zelda games for the game boy advance metro both metroids are in there like that's that's a great great pickup yeah that's probably my favorite of the of the month uh and the, all the gamecube stuff you got too you got like all the resident evils the metroids most of the zeldas yep now, see, the thing I really thought was really cool was the, like, the Super Nintendo copier, uh, you know, that he ended up with. But then again, I like the little more obscure stuff. But that's pretty cool. Yeah. He also picked up some uh, some hard-to-find N64 games, right? Yeah. Um, Snowboard Kids 2, Bomberman, Second Attack. Those aren't, aren't easy games to track down. Yeah, again, you know, I'm not the biggest N64 guy, but I know to watch out for those games when I'm out and about. So, and man. Speaking of speaking of the Groove still, what did you guys think of the the double Pro Fighter that he picked up? I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, that's that that's that copier thing I was talking about, right? Yeah. Can Yeah, I mean, copy cool. old Super Nintendo and Genesis games on it. And he says his is working. Apparently, they've got a a pretty notorious failure rate, but uh he found a working one magically enough. Yeah, there, yeah there's there's definitely lots of like you know little quirky items like that that I would never go out and look for, but if I see one, I'm absolutely grabbing it. I might have walked right by that without even knowing what it was. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I I sold my Z64, which is kind of the same sort of thing for N64 a while back, and I did all right with it. So I mean, these are good pickups. Yeah, I remember that that thing was pretty cool, and I think uh, there was actually. There was another model that was the less reliable, and you actually had the more reliable one, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I had the great one. So there was like uh, three different versions of that hardware, and version two was the best one, and that's the one I had. So um, version one didn't have as much memory, so you couldn't play as many games on it, and version three had a weird overheating bug with the hardware. So um, not that probably a lot of people are really excited about Z64, but (laughs) (laughs) if you are, there you know, you know what to look out for. Uh, I may have another one coming close into my hand soon, so maybe we'll see. All right, so are either of you guys into the Skylander stuff? Yes, uh, my... Cra- Crab- yeah, Crabby, he's talking. He's all over that uh, Skylander forum. <laughs> my my son and um, he's been playing it at this gaming place. I go to play Street Fighter, and he plays Skylanders. So we finally got it at home. So we've been addicted to it together for the last three or four weeks now. Yeah, and so Norch and and how do you want to say that? Blickle Blisk. <laughs> it's black label skate, I think, or something like that is what it is. But anyway, yeah, I mean, just going nuts on these Skylander things, right? Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's all my kid talks about. So whenever we really, yeah, whenever that's all he wants to do with anyone these days, even if it's not the game, he just likes to have the little figures around, and play with them like they're action figures. So this is kind of like the uh, like the Pokemon of this generation. Absolutely, because he's already got one of each type, but he's he's got this poster in his room that came with the game. It's got all the characters on it, so he's got to get mm. every one of them on this poster, right? Yeah, the problem is that the, these are like you have to buy them and not just <laughs> unlock them in a game. I mean, you know, you're gonna go broke buying these Skylanders things, huh? Yeah, but that's why we've we've ended up buying a few uh, secondhand, so we don't get the uh, the packaging. But uh, he's been happy with them. I see. So I always have to ask when you buy these things for your kids, who owns them? Are they technically part of your collection or are they starting his own? The Skylanders, um, most of them I'm going to give to him. He He's actually saved up a little bit of money for them and he sold a couple things around the house that he doesn't play with anymore to pay for them. So I can't can't take those for my collection. Okay, there you go. So maybe you have to get duplicates someday, huh? Yeah, but that's pricey, <laughs> man. <laughs> I would love, love I- to, but... Wait 10 years, nobody will care anymore, and you'll find tons of them at yard sales. <laughs> Let's hope. Yeah, yeah, that'll be the deal. So um, moving on then, uh, I, since I'm in, uh, from over from Famicom World, he got some really nice complete in box, some Namco games. Yeah. Um, I know neither of you are, have that sickness yet, but, man, I love me some Famicom <laughs> stuff. And those were beautiful. I mean, just really crisp and nice. Like you said, I'm not really into collecting them, but I, these, those pictures you posted, they look awesome. Yeah, and it always gets me that, you know, the boxes are so small when you get them. I mean, I've got a couple box games uh, from Famicom, and I mean, they're like cassette tape size, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's they're kind of neat. It's uh, a little bit different. Hey, he's got an amazing collection. I don't know if you've ever checked out his website. I'll see if I can link to it in the show notes, but he's got a little, it's a Famicom blog, something like that, and... Uh, he posts his stuff that he finds, but he lives over there and he comes up with some great stuff and he's a wonderful seller. So I think we've mentioned him in the show before, so I won't, I won't beat that dead horse. <laughs> what else we got? Well, Bill, you picked a few things up this, this time, right? Yeah, just a few, like I said, still recovering, but, uh, 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 uh got a nice one to add to the, the 32 X collection. That's I'm, I'm not as condition concerned as a lot of other, uh, complete in box collectors, but, uh, it's always really nice to get a, a, just a pristine box. And, uh, this Blackthorn, um, as much as I try to stay away from, uh, you know, I, I, I prefer collector forms, uh, to every other method of buying, but sometimes you got to go to the auction site. So I ended up getting this in an auction at, uh, 
uh, a, a price I'm very happy with. I actually lost an auction about a month before for about you know 10 or 15 bucks more. So I'm very happy with it, and the condition's excellent. So that's Blackthorn on the 32X. So that takes me down to three titles remaining. So how, how many titles total is a full 32X set? Um, I don't think too many people can uh, include the... Uh, the the unreleased uh, games that are available as a couple of repros, like Darkseid and uh, X-Men. I think it's called the Clone... I forget what it's called. It's not the Clone Wars. It's like Clone Conspiracy or something like that. So, uh, And it also depends on if you count the Sega CD slash 32X games, you know, Corpse Killer, uh, you know, Night Trap, uh, Fahrenheit. Do, it's do like, you? Uh, I, I, I personally do, yeah. Um, if, if, it's, if it's Sega and it's yellow, it's in the collection. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's 30... Uh, you know, depending on what you count, it's like 36, 38 games. So it's, it's, uh, I only started collecting seriously, uh, just over a year ago. So it's actually come together for a complete, uh, 32X collection that I didn't want to spend, uh, uh, a lot of money on. It's actually come together pretty quickly. I'm, I'm very picky with price. It's, it's how I can afford to do this without losing my house. So, um, <laughs> I really try to make the hobby pay for itself. Like a lot of people, like, you know, I sell what I get good deals on and everything. So, yeah, being three games away from that complete set's uh, pretty exciting, but it's you know two of them are two of the hardest to get. So I think it's going to be at least another year or two, maybe. We'll see how my luck runs. So I'm curious, um, are there any like European or Japanese exclusive titles for the 32X? Uh, yeah, there's uh, FIFA uh, was released in uh, Europe. Uh, Darkside, uh, which D A R X I D E, so it's got a weird spelling. It's like a Kind of like a Shadow Squadrony uh, kind of 3D uh, shooter. Um, that was actually actually was released in Europe, but it's uh, similar to kind of like the late release NES games, where it was so late in the cycle and didn't sell very well that it's extremely rare and uh, it, it commands a pretty high price. Uh, I think I think the last few completes in pristine condition that have sold have been at least like a thousand fifteen hundred dollars, but I'd, I'd have to double check that. Um, and then there's uh, the prototype. Uh, there's this X-Men game. You can find YouTube videos of it. It's super, it's like alpha. It's, it's nowhere near finished and it doesn't look good. Like the, the, the potential of the system is kind of what they're showing off, but the game doesn't look good at all. So I, you'll never see a repro for it unless someone, you know, goes oh, crazy. Oh, you will. Yeah. You will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Someone can make some money. They yeah. will. Once I get my EEPROM programmer, you'll see a repro for that. But uh, Oh, you and me will become friends. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to yeah. become really good buddies. Um, I'm, 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 I'm starting to dabble, but uh, just in reading some of the guides, uh, it's it's pretty technical. So we'll see how long that takes me. But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, 32X, it's, it's a very weird, uh, you know, kind of quirky system that not a ton of people are into. And somehow it's just kind of found a place... Uh, uh, in my collection that I really, you know, really like something about it. So yeah, it's just a little, little side project I have. So I'm curious, are you going to go after those European exclusives? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Um, it's, uh, and it's not even because it's not even because they're European. It's not even because they're expensive. It's, it's just, I, you know, I, I may do a dark side repro cause it's actually you know, like a finished game and, Similar to Krabby's syndrome of having everything kind of like, you know, uniform, <laughs> I don't want to have a non-yellow complete 32X game sitting next to the rest of my complete yellow 32X game. So I'd probably do the repro just for the artwork. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not too interested in going after, uh, you know, some of those uh, crazy obscure titles. Unless I come across them, then I'll grab them. You know, I would, um, if I didn't know better, I would say that maybe um, collectors tend to have some OCD characteristics, but that can't be right. So let's move <laughs> on. Uh, we also uh, had Slow Man, which has had some great 
lots of stuff before. Man, he really knocked it out. I, I, I the thing I was I liked the best. I mean, personally, was the Nintendo Power Mags. I mean, I love those things. Yeah, the old ones are awesome. Yeah, those first two uh, like claymation covers with the Mario and <laughs> Luigi. Those are great issues. Yeah, yeah, because I had all that stuff as a kid, and and a lot of those stuff got thrown out um, by my folks. So man, I just you know I used to have like the Nintendo Fun Club news and and all those and ish. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna get a, a Fun Club news set here at some point in time. <laughs> I know you, I know you keep saying that you're you're into that. Uh, they're awesome. If you've never <laughs> read through them, at least look at the scans online. I mean. It's such blatant advertising, but you know, as a kid, that was like magic. That that uh, I mean, I'm telling you what, like in the in the video game magazines, like in the back, they would always have like this little card, and they would like check these things for ones you'd like information from these companies. And I would just check all of them <laughs> and send it in, and I've still got a bunch. It's like the, you know, they would just send out these newsletters, mm. you know, um, all these companies, and I've still got them, and. Man, those, they're just cool. I like that. I mean, th- these days, you know, you get the email spam, and you know, thirty years from now, nobody's gonna still have that stuff. But yeah, there, I mean, there's, I'll, I'll there's still have yeah, these. there's. I don't think there's any spam collectors out there who are trying <laughs> to do all of the uh, the press releases for all the garbage games. But but no, yeah, Slow Man, that uh, uh, PlayStation One, PlayStation Two, SNES lot. I actually uh, I'm setting up a, a deal with him right now. He's uh, a, a fairly newish member, but uh, very. Very cool so far. Very easy to deal with. So can't wait for those games to come in eventually. Yeah, he oh, raked good. in a good lot of role playing games on there. Yeah, and a couple import things, huh? Yeah, some quirky little uh, 360 PS2 imports. You don't find those over here too often. Yeah, and I think that's going to be tricky too because I mean you really can't play those without like modding or getting a, a foreign console, right? For the 360, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's no fun. I think there's some games that do work that way, but I think most of them don't. Oh, yeah, and Shadow definitely got himself a wonderful pick this time around. I mean, nothing, not a big lot, but a $5 copy of Conan. Yeah, that was the, the, the gem in there that I, I thought, too. Yeah, I mean, I that was one of the latter ones for me to pick up, and five bucks, man, come on. Yeah, I still need that one. Yeah, it's terrible. but that doesn't matter the the cover art's cool it's 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 amazing how redeeming that can be oh yeah the cover art oh gosh cover art is i mean when the game is great it's it's cool and everything but cover art is so i don't i don't even know i don't know if it's because of you know when you're a kid and you remember it or if it's because of you know like what whatever the reason is but I, I would I I think I've spent as much time looking at my collection as playing it. I really just love grabbing you know like a random game and like I'll just stare at the cover for a few minutes. My wife's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm just enjoying it. It's it's just cool and especially bad cover art, which is a whole other topic like uh like Mega Man and Trojan and you know like uh, Iron I mean, Sword a bunch of them, but uh, yeah, <laughs> Phalanx. Oh gosh, oh, yeah. cover art is so great. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, what the? This is like some old dude with a banjo. <laughs> what on earth is this? And I, I, it's not one of the worst of all time. But next time you look at uh, the adventures of Bayou Billy, take note that Billy does not have a neck. <laughs> it is a head pasted onto a collarbone. And just look at it next time you see it. Oh well, you know, it's he's the adventure of Bayou Billy. Oh my goodness. 
It's such a. Uh, I wish that game wasn't such a pain. I've got the Famicom version. It's easier. Yeah, I've heard that about that game. Um, I also really want to find the Famicom version of Ninja Gaiden Three because it's much easier, and maybe I could actually beat it. Mm. You just need a little practice. Oh no, that game has destroyed me my whole life. <laughs> beat the other two. That one, forget it. I just don't have that much patience. So it uh, looks like Reg McKnight also picked him up something he'd been kind of hunting around for. So um, yeah, what did he grab? Yeah, he had a blog post up. He was looking for a 5200, Atari 5200, and it looks like he got himself a nice little starter lot there to get him going. Yeah, I got like the trackball and a, a few games to go along with it. And um, I think he's missing like part of the cover, it looks like. There's like the little spot that holds the controllers. And it's, it seems like it's missing. But he got the uh, he got the two port version, which is the good one. It's not the one with the crazy power supply issues. But uh, and Beam Rider, Beam Rider is really pretty good. That's a fun one. Yeah, I've got that on my television. It's awesome. The trackball accessory is it really does come in handy. It's really pretty nice with the V200. It's pretty well made, opposed to like the regular controllers. But you know, just as a funny side note here, you got. Uh... On that right on that post with Red McKnight, if you look in his uh, signature, there's Bayou Billy with no neck. <laughs> <laughs> it's everything cyclical. It all comes back around. Yep. Uh, speaking of Atari, Ghost Soldier picked up uh, a whole bunch of cheap Atari games, but there was a few real gems in there, like twenty to fifty dollar games. But not, I just really don't know much about twenty six hundred either. So I mean, what did he? What was good in that? Uh, apparently, Boeing, Up and Down, and Quest for Quintana Roo are all like the the gems in his lot there. What the heck are those? I've never heard of them before. I haven't played or found any of those. Yeah, so I'm I'm not too familiar with the system. But um, I I checked them out after um, Single Banana pointed them out too, and uh, yeah, they they all go for quite a bit. Yeah, he's he's into the twenty six hundred stuff, right? Oh yeah. Banana loves it. Yep. Yeah. I, um, I've i got, you know, obviously some of that stuff, but, I you know, I grew up with it, had it when I was little, just never really had a passion for it. Because I mean, to me, it was like, oh, as soon as I could play the Nintendo, I'm like, okay, 2600 sucks. <laughs> yeah, same, same, same here. Like, I th- we've had the conversation before that I uh, I think, like, like, I was in, like, Cub Scouts and someone had it, and it's like, at the end of a Cub Scout meeting, you turn on the Atari and play something, and it was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, you touch a button and, like, something on the screen kind of happens in relation to that. Like, uh, it's, I don't know, for some reason it never took me, but it's on the same way. Like, Nintendo hit, and I was like, psh, I don't need that thing anymore. You know the thing that's really funny, honestly? If you ever have the opportunity to do this, bring a 2600 to somewhere with, like, some early 20-year-olds that have never played it, turn it on, hook it up to a TV, turn it on with a game in it, and just set the controllers there, and just watch. <laughs> and they will have no clue how to play the thing. Mm. Be- because they don't realize that you have to hit the game reset switch. Yeah, there's, <laughs> they'll, yeah. They'll just sit right. there pressing, like, the fire button forever, like, what? What do you, it doesn't work, what's going yeah. on? I remember before I really knew much about 2600, and, like, I would just look at a cart, and it was, like, it would tell you some of the options for the game on the cart because, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, like, difficult, like difficulty level A, B, and, like, you know, hit this switch for this and hit reset three times to start on level four, and it's it's because it was all on the console. Yeah, or, like, have you guys ever seen Space Shuttle for the 2600? Oh. Yes. Yeah, it's got, like, this overlay that fits on it and, like, a cheat sheet, and it uses, like, the switches of the 2600, like, switches for like flying the space shuttles like landing gear mm-hmm. and all this stuff i mean it's it's pretty cool sounds really neat. anyway 
yeah, that's good. That is kind of a cool game. I, I think that one was kind of fun if you get a chance to find it. But all right, enough of slamming the toys again. <laughs> Banana's going to be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and Bomba, man, what's he? Searching through the scrap, yeah. Searching for a a used printer, and he found himself a free CDI. Dumpster diving, wasn't he? Uh, I was going through recycling at work, I think, so pretty much. Yeah, I, when I when I read that, I thought immediately of uh, like my buddy who got the Saturn stuff at work, and I was like, "Could Bomba work at a Best Buy? And is this <laughs> where we all should have a friend in the warehouse?" Yeah, like maybe I need like a part time job or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, I must pay up. But the thing looked like it was brand new. Yeah, it looks very good. It had the sticker mm-hmm. on the front and everything. Yeah, I mean, it didn't have a controller or anything. Which the controllers are not cheap. Uh, if you actually look for the game pads, I mean, they uh, they had like that really junky like one hand controller, and that thing's a piece of trash. Yeah. But um, See, the actual game pad, th- those are expensive. They're hard to come by. Yeah, same thing with thirty two. Oh, sorry, not thirty two X. Same thing with three uh, D O controllers. I can't seem to find three D O controllers for less than like twenty five thirty dollars around here. Yeah, I've been looking for a second one forever, too. I can't find a decent one, either. Yeah, I've got two of the originals. I'd like to find a six-button. Yeah. Yeah, that would be for, nice, for, for For what, Super Street Fighter? Yeah, which I don't have, but I'm sure it's out there somewhere. <laughs> I do, and it's hard to play with that three-button. <laughs> Is it kind of like when you had to play um, Street Fighter on the Sega with the three-button thing, where you had to like, yeah, like hit the like, hit the button to switch between punches and kicks? Yeah, like, yeah. like Mortal Com- like Mortal Kombat with the Genesis three button or whatever, and uh. it was like, uh, just hold on to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just yeah, thanks. That's great. Painful. Uh, Vitellius, which is like a he's a new member like to the side. Brand new, yeah. Um, yeah, he's in the Netherlands, I believe, and found some games but he found like a, a really nice complete beauty and the beast um for the nes which is that is not a cheap game that's kind of hard to find um i really talked to him a lot to try to get, to get it <laughs> i really tried very hard now, now what region um, what region was the game from um it's it's pal okay so i think beauty and the beast was like came out like in the uk and germany and i want to say another country okay. so I think the one he had was a German version, but that's just like the title is in German. It's, it, the game is in English, I believe. Now, with all the other Disney tie-ins, I'm surprised that one didn't make it over here. Yeah, it was just too late, you know, too late in the um, in the system's life, I think, to really make it. Because we, you know, we got Little Mermaid, but we, did, we didn't get Aladdin, we didn't get Beauty and the Beast, we didn't get Lion King, so... Um, he's going to look out for me for some other stuff. He, he had to throw that one on eBay, he said, because he needed some money for school books. Um, I really tried hard. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, hey, that's all right. I guess if I really wanted to, I could go out there and bid for it. But, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll run across one of those one day. And then uh, Barracuda, right? He found, like, a really good grab. Love this pickup. I l- like, wasn't it Kmart or something? Yeah, oh, I have seen it Kmart in, like, a decade. Got one in my town. Maybe I need to go look. <laughs> yeah, I've actually heard the same thing. I don't have one really close to me, but I have a buddy who's got like uh, two or three of them near him, and he goes there all the time. And he says he doesn't always find things, but he said their clearance bin. He said it's it's great. Uh, like a lot of other companies, like Best Buy's, GameStops, like they won't mark things down to next to nothing. They'll like you know ship it either back to their you know distribution center. They'll sell them to like other parties or whatever. I guess Kmart doesn't do that. They just mark stuff down until it goes. 
So your mileage varies a little bit from Kmart to Kmart, but it's like if you see something that you like there, you know, and, and it doesn't sell, just keep checking back because they'll keep slashing it. Hmm. Yeah, well, we didn't mention what it was. I mean, it's was a brand new copy of Metroid Prime Trilogy. That's, and I, I made the comment that uh, I was I was working retail when this came out, and I was really surprised at how quickly they stopped making these. Like, they came out, and I don't think it was much more than a few weeks later that I checked the system and it said discontinued. And then I looked on Amazon, and you couldn't buy it anymore. And uh, as it turns out, they were actually really pretty limited. Yeah, that's odd for Nintendo. You'd think it's more of like a, an Atlas NIS type move. Yeah. Yeah, So totally. do either of you have that? I sure do. Not me. I've got uh, my copy still sealed, so and it's going to stay that way. I've got yeah. them all, uh, the actual releases, so I didn't didn't pick it up. I didn't think it was going to be that limited, or I would have. I'm telling you, I mean, there's there's not, you know, there's not too many games I can think of that were, you know, re- originally released on a controller and were re-released on motion controls that are better on motion controls. But I, I got to tell you, I played through Metroid Prime One with the a Wiimote and the Nunchuck, and I. I mean, it's not that the fir- the original way is bad, but the, it's so so great with motion. And a lot of games that do first person with the with the Wiimote and Nunchuck don't do a very good job of it. Like when you scroll to the edge of the screen, like the screen does, the view doesn't move over. You have to you know combine that with an analog stick. But when you uh, everything is just, I felt like it controlled beautifully, and I really loved it the way they did with the motion controls. So yeah, I, I did open my copy because I wasn't you know. Yeah, sealed, whatever. I'll open it and play it. <laughs> well, I, I'm, my hope is that one of these days I'll run across another one, so I'll play that one and then make some moolah off, off this one at some point. There you go. And um, and Krabby, you, you you finally got back in the game this month. Yeah, I got a few things, nothing big, but other than the, the few Skylanders my son and I picked up, I grabbed uh, that Intelligent Cube that went to Bill, um, grabbed Race America while I was on my uh, vacation. Great game. Uh, just before I left, I picked up a big box of Xbox uh, OXM magazines. Um, they're like 72 issues. Half of them had their their uh, demo discs still. I found that really strange because you're just not an Xbox guy. No, I, it's probably my least favorite. I'd rather play the 2600 than the Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I don't oh, know. Hey, man. Kaboom at least is a good game. Yeah, the, the price was 50 bucks for like 72 books plus the discs. Plus he had a bunch of guides he threw in. I, so I got like half a dozen guides and a few old uh, EGMs he had laying around the house. And, so it wasn't bad. And I'm, I'm curious to read through them. I've never touched the magazine at all. Do you have a an original Xbox? I do. It's one. It's yeah. I actually bought it uh, when it was new at retail and uh, collected more dust than any other system I've owned. There were a few gems, but yeah, it was uh, not a lot. I, I really want someone to re-release uh, Twisted System from the Fusion Frenzy disc as its own game on Xbox Live. <laughs> I'll pay five bucks for it. Just let me jump and duck around a spiraling uh, platform, and I'll do it for hours. <laughs> uh, never played it. I have no idea what oh, you're talking man. about. Yeah, if you can cut Fusion Frenzy, it's a fairly common Xbox game, but it, it was a collection of mini-games, most of which were terrible. Uh, kind of like Action 52, now that we think about it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, there was, there was a, a, gold, this man. one game called Twisted System, and it is, it's very simple. It's just four players, and they're all running automatically around like a pillar, 
and there's either like a thing that you have to duck under or a thing that you have to jump over in you know alternating random patterns and it just keeps getting faster and faster and then if you miss one of them you kind of hear this like bang and like it moves you back and if you get hit too many times then you're out but the cool thing is at first everyone is jumping and ducking together so it's easy but then as soon as one or two people like get knocked off now you're all on different like areas so it's it's a it's it's just a great silly little game that we spent way too much time playing but it sounds like something that could have been done like on the nes oh it definitely could have been this sounds like connect adventures kind of uh it's maybe i'm not explaining it very well but it trust trust <laughs> me it's very it's very fun are you trying to say it's better than connect adventures um i don't know a lot of things that aren't better than connect adventures <laughs> Look, man, you can get gamer score in that. <laughs> <laughs> I used to care so much about gamer score, and it's not not that I, you know, a lot of people hate on achievements. Like I don't hate on them, but like it just doesn't mean as much to me as it used to. So I used to lit- I used to check the whole achievement score. I was on the websites every day. I had like checklists of what achievements I didn't have, and uh, just somehow this that that sickness did leave me. I don't know what the cure was, but like it just went away. It was cardboard. Cardboard's the cure. <laughs> cardboard replaced it. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Well, um, I had my share of a pretty good month. Oh yeah, this month. Um, so I really can't go through everything. It was a really a, a very good month for me. Um, just a couple highlights though. Uh, I found a copy of uh, Gun Knack. Um, was in wonderful condition at the local game exchange. I won't say how much I paid for it, but. Boy, oh boy, it was a good deal. <laughs> and uh, it uh, it went to Banana. So I sold that off to Banana. Enjoy. Glad I went to someone who needed it because that was one you helped me pick up not too long ago. Yeah, and I'm telling you, you did a smart thing by getting it when you did because the price is going nuts on it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I won't just divulge anything, but you can just do your own lookups. It's not, not real cheap, and it's it seems to be climbing, so... Um, I also picked up a copy of Street Cop for you, Krabby. Thank you. Uh, it's one less power pad game I need now. Yeah, it was, uh, I got the same day I picked up uh, Gun Knack. It was pretty cheap, so wonderful. Uh, Crystal Mines I also got, which went in my sale pile, along with a copy of Gargoyles Quest Two. They were both pretty good shape, so I'll help some other people along. I've already got those, so I just put it into the, the sale pile. I grabbed at a yard sale uh, a GBSP, um, a pink one, you know, because pink's my color, what can I say? <laughs> but uh, it was that with a couple games. Like, I paid five bucks. Um, I think I sold it like the next day on my sale thread. I think my favorite thing from that yard sale, though, is I got this little uh, like keychain game, a Nintendo game. It looks kind of like a Game Boy, and it's Mario's Cement Factory. It's like a little LCD game. Um, it was in like a free box. So I grabbed it. Um, pretty cool. I like it. It's um, In our database, it's only listed as a European release. I'm going to doubt that this little kid got it from Europe. So <laughs> it must have came out here too. But it's kind of a cool little LCD game, and it was free. I got a new homebrew, Dragon Feet. Um, I know you guys probably aren't into, <laughs> into that at all, but... I really like new NES games, and so I got a hold of that one. There was uh, only, I think, 50 copies uh, put out, so I got one of those. Isn't, dra- isn't, of... isn't Dragon Feet pretty much Skylanders? No, <laughs> I don't know anything about Skylanders. <laughs> no, but I thought it was um, like the same game. I don't know anything about Skylanders. Dragon Feet is an NES game. Oh. 
and it's you're a dragon and you walk from left to right and avoid getting killed and kill things. Sold. And eat it. Sold. Yep, I want know. it. <laughs> um, you're going to have to pay through the nose to get it now because oh, really? all the copies sold out. Oh. You guys got to watch out for these things. When they go, they go and they're not going to come back again. So there's already people on Nintendo Age posting bounties trying to find a copy. Yeah, so. the second those homebrews are gone there, they like quadruple in price overnight. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be there at the beginning, or you're in trouble for them. Um, that copy of Godzilla two, that the uh, one Cowhand found, that Cowhan found. I I did a deal for him. That's coming to me. Should be getting that pretty soon. But the Canadian Express is pretty slow. Oh <laughs> to yes. Bring things oh here. yes, it is. Um, so that's on the way. I got a couple things from Bickman in his great going out of business sale. What is up with that? Why? What's the deal with people getting out? I don't know. He's getting out, and then he's posted more in the small squares store than I've seen him in the last <laughs> six months. Uh, I think you know he. A lot of us kind of commented on it, and I think he kind of decided to maybe restructure, which is cool. Uh, yeah, I think that's downsize. a good idea. And worked out great for me because I got like the Konami laser scope that's awesome. off of him. <laughs> that thing looks is really cool. Yeah, I, I, I missed out on that. That's cool. There's there's nothing that has dork more than sticking <laughs> on your head. Uh, those of you that might have seen like the angry video game nerd episode with accessories, he he uses that one on it and um, learns that you can make it shoot not by just saying fire but other letter <laughs> words that start with F. Um, I also got Mickey's Adventure in Numberland from him, which is a hard to find cart. Yeah, you got to him before me on that one. I asked him about it and he said it was just gone before I PM'd him. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, gotta be watching out for these things, guys. Sorry. Um, but if I found another copy, you know, hey, I, I know who to send them off to. Absolutely. Uh, so, all in all, I'm, you know, I'm like under 20 titles to go. Licensed and unlicensed, I'm under 20. It's impressive. So, yeah. woohoo for me. Um, another one that popped in that helped out with that was I got a copy of Chippendale 2. Um, I did have to go to the evil eBay for that one, but it wasn't too bad price-wise. It was a make offer, so not too shabby. Um, I picked up a Nomad off Craigslist. I've already got a Nomad, so, uh, it was a good enough deal. I just decided to put it up for sale. So if anybody's looking for a Nomad, it's got the battery case. It's, it's in good shape. Runs great. Um, now do you, you mentioned you have trouble selling Sega stuff locally. Does that include oh, Nomads? Yeah. That includes Nomads, too? Oh, okay, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, same thing around here, like Genesis and Saturn stuff does not, like, I'll put a Saturn up with a bunch of games for 20 bucks. It'll sit there for weeks. Um, but uh, Nomads seem to go very quickly around here. Yeah, this one was on Craigslist, and it was on there for a few days. Mm. And I just kind of went, I'll see what he wants for it. Um, and he still had it, so, you know. Uh, if anybody's looking for a Nomad, though, it's in great shape. And you don't ever find them with that little battery cover or that little battery pack thing on the back. It's always missing. Yeah. So that's um, if anybody's looking for one, there you go. At the pawn shop, I always find, like, really good. I love my pawn shop, and I'm sure you guys, everybody's heard it a million times, but love my pawn shop. <laughs> and, um, well, what they had was I'm, I was picking a few games up. Uh, you know, it was all well and good. And then they had, like, this bag, this um, GameCube bag. And I asked him, I said, because it was like sitting off to the side. So I said, is this for sale or what? Have you guys not put this out yet? And she's like, um, here, let me check. And she's like, yeah, it's got a little tag on it here. See, it's for sale. It's a GameCube and one controller. Well, okay. So I'm kind of digging in the bag, just seeing what's in there. And I and, and there's a regular controller, and then there's like a WaveBird with a receiver. So I'm like, hey, 
you know, um, I know you've got a list of the price on it for two controllers. I mean, for one controller, but there's two in here. You know, would you sell the other one separately? And she's like, what would you give me for it? I'm like, five bucks? <laughs> and she's sure, yeah. So got the uh, the Wavebird with the receiver, five bucks. Great shape. Uh, didn't have one, so I'm really kind of happy to get one. Wavebirds are awesome. I actually picked up a receiver at one of my pawn shops in the hope that I find a, a cheap Wavebird missing it. Oh, there actually is one right now. Someone on Nintendo Age had one up for like five bucks. Ah! Better go check that out. Time for Krabby to hop on and do some in-show research. Yeah, I'll see if I can find it. I know I saw it like earlier today or yesterday. See, this is how it happens, guys, in real time. <laughs> and the last thing that I think to me was one of the coolest things was this uh, Enio. This, um, I, I did a little blog post about it. I don't know if you guys read it. Um, but it is a little expansion port board. Did either of you guys read that yeah, blog post I put in? Yeah, you put the video up, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. You had the uh, Famicom keyboard hooked up to your NES with BASIC running in it? Absolutely. Yeah, it was really um, cool. Yeah, so the, as you guys pretty know, that, I mean, nobody made anything ever for the expansion port on the NES. So, I mean, there's not even a connector you can get to fit it. Um, they just never made one. And so um, this guy goes by the name Chicken. Um he took the time to design his own board and make his own custom connector and everything that fits into the expansion port on the bottom of the NES. And then he did a little breakout on it. So on this board, he's got a connector that comes off that you can use um, anything that would plug into the Japanese um, expansion port. So like extra controllers, a Famicom keyboard, etc. Um, oh, and also like the 3D glasses. So you could use those. Um, and it also has a board that will connect to like a separate little, um, like CPU board he's designing that'll have like network play to go along with it. So he's still working on that. That's pretty cool. That would I be think. really neat. Yeah. You had a network play on that thing. That would be awesome. See, Krabby and you and me, we could play like Battletoads or something. There you go. Over the internet. Um, and it also has like other spots too, where you can get access to all the other outputs. So... I mean, you've got audio in, video in, video out, audio out. So if you wanted to solder a wire to it, I mean, it really has everything. It's really well made. Um, it slots in and fits wonderfully. Uh, and you can see that in the video. And right now, he's got a few made up. He's selling them for 20 bucks a piece plus shipping. It was like 5 bucks for shipping. Um, Lord knows how long he'll have these things. So I would say, you know, uh, if you guys are interested, it's I think it's really cool, worth picking up. Uh, it's probably something, um, unless it's really successful, I would imagine just be around pretty temporarily. And uh, But he is working on a little board to go with it. Um, so looks really cool. I'm really pretty excited. It's kind of the niche little projects that I really uh, think are pretty neat. All right, so next we wanted to um, take a minute to talk to our special guest, Bill. And, um, you know, kind of in the first episode, you know, Krabby and I had a really good opportunity to mention a little bit about kind of our background, where we come from, collecting favorites, things of that nature. So I wanted to give Bill a little opportunity to share um, some things about himself. So, 
the rest of you RF Jenners out there and, and other listeners uh, can find out a little bit more about him. So, so Bill, can you tell us a little bit about your, your gaming past, kind of where you started? Uh, yeah, like, uh, excuse me, um, sure. Uh, like I mentioned uh, before, I've only been seriously collecting for, for just over a year now. Um, like most... Uh, you know, like most everyone who's really into the Nintendo kind of grew up with it. Um, yeah, like I, I was a, about five years old when it came out. So I remember, you know, it's like under the Christmas tree. Like that's like the that Nintendo 64 kid on YouTube that everyone's seen. Like that was me <laughs> with like the regular Nintendo. And uh, uh, it was just one of those things that uh, it's like that. I'm sure that that Christmas cemented gaming and the rest of my future because for for years we were we were into this to the nintendo um then you get a little bit older like you kind of you know like uh lost focus on it for a little bit but for the most part always been into nintendo um i had a little falling out with the super nintendo my parents wouldn't buy it for us because it wasn't compatible with all the nintendo games that they had purchased so uh, a couple years later they did buy us a genesis because you know i guess that made sense to them it was a different system so because that... sega does what nintendo don't <laughs> your, your parents tell you, just it's... bought into the blast processing <laughs> they, they they had to have. They saw that commercial where uh, they compared uh, how awesome and crazy fast Sonic is to how boring and slow Mario is. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. So um, and I tell you, like I've, if I was ever a fanboy in my life, it was for Sega. And uh, like like every fanboy, most of those arguments were were kind of baseless. It was just like the thing I like is the best. Why can't you agree with me? So, <laughs> um, but that's that's probably where like you know like I really enjoyed Genesis for a long time, and I was a fan of like the arcade uh, type. Uh, like, you know, beat-em-ups and Shinobi and, uh, like, a lot of those things. So, yeah, and I actually, um, my gaming kind of evolved into, uh, you know, I worked at a Babbage's when I was uh, uh, in my teens, like, and in college, and uh, kind of got into PC gaming a bit more. So really fell out of the console stuff for a while. And then after college, uh, I kind of, you know, enjoyed playing games, uh, like retro games, a little bit here and there, but really was mainly like a current-gen guy, so... You know, PS2, PS3, 360. Um, and then I I don't know what it was. It was about a year and a half ago. I was at a buddy's house, and he had this huge collection of 360 games, like over 100 games. I guess, you know, huge for most people. And uh, I remember asking him, you know, like, it's, it's, what's, do you play all these? Like, what do you do? And he's like, you know, I just, I got to a point where I didn't like trading them in anymore because I really felt like I was getting ripped off. And it's, it's more worth it to me just to have the games uh, in, in a collection. And I started thinking and I started remembering how much fun I had playing Nintendo when I was a kid and how much I enjoyed the Genesis and how I had people over at my house on, uh, on 9999 for the Dreamcast launch. And <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I just remember it's like, man, like, like, how did all this stuff, you know, kind of get pushed to the side for me? Cause, you know, while I kind of was doing other things in my life. So, I decided that I really, really wanted to have uh, a retro gaming collection. I didn't, you know, kind of see where I was today, but uh, I just started off, you know, like uh, any new collector probably does. You start asking around, you know, friends, family, hey, you got any uh, Nintendo games lying around the house? Like, like, I'll pay a few bucks for, like anything you want to get rid of. You start looking on Craigslist, you buy, you know, 20, 30 bucks, you can probably find a system and a handful of games. And, uh, you know, I started out just uh, just enjoying re, uh, like, revisiting those games that i grew up with and uh it's 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 just re it snowballs very quickly as uh, you know most people probably tell you so you really really i really had to be careful because i saw how uh not just uh, addictive it was getting back into gaming but just how addictive uh like the collection just starts growing and it's it's 
it's you you really i mean it's it's sad but like you know every time i see someone kind of you know getting out of the game or saying uh oh you know i'm i'm uh, I, I i'm selling a few games help me pay my rent this month i'm like oh dude come on yeah <laughs> it's it's i mean I, you you feel for people but it's like you know you really have to be responsible with it so we we set it up a, a while ago where the only money that I can spend on games is money that I make from selling games. So if I spend too much money and I get down to the point where there's not enough left to purchase new games, I have to sell something from the collection. So that's kind of been a motivator for me to make sure that I'm always on the lookout for deals. You know, and I don't consider myself a reseller because it's really just, you know, going back into that same collecting pool, you know? So, yeah. So yeah, it's, um, it's been it's been a ton of fun. It's uh, I I love seeing the collection grow. I love setting up all the systems with my you know two big system selectors. I love people coming over and saying, "Oh my god, I played this when I was six years old. Can we please play this?" And it's like, "Yes, you can. It's right here. You can play it right now." <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, and it's and it's great. And you actually, you know, you, you meet you meet people doing it. You know, you just just being out like you become the guy who has like all the retro games. Then you end up. Uh, like people are coming over, like you're you're you know making contacts for new collections and everything. So, yeah, it's just been uh, like most collectors. I think I think what brings it back for most people is that you've been doing it all your life and you love games. So, well, good. Um, now, what particularly brought you over to RF Generation? The checklists. So did you just do a Google search and there you were? Or? That's that's all I, I that's literally all I did. I I was at the point where I was going to uh, you know different tag sales and estate sales, um, you know on a you know weekly or you know biweekly basis. And I remember the very first time that I bought the same game twice. <laughs> <laughs> that never happens. And I got home and I was like, oh, <laughs> how did I forget? So once the collection got to the point where I was like, okay, I need to be a little, well, two things. I need to be more organized. I need to slow down because if I didn't even realize I bought this game, I wasn't enjoying my collection at the proper pace. So I, I, I made it a rule uh, to, to play every game that I acquire. If not like that day, you know, at least, uh, at least soon. So I remember I really wanted a checklist for for um that had uh, you know spots for the games the manuals and the boxes because I was acquiring you know things at different rates once I started looking at boxes so um there was a handful of places that you could you know store your collection online like there's a piece of software called Collectors with a Z uh, which is pretty cool but because uh, everything is more awesome with a it, Z it, it, it has to be right it's actually a European piece of software too <laughs> and um, so they must think that that's what we it's, think no then it's not a Z at the end it says Z oh yeah. <laughs> Or yeah, as in Canada as well, right? So um, so yeah, I used a, I tried a couple things, and uh, honestly, I just wanted to print out a a, a checklist, and I also loved the option that uh, you know by default it prints out with your with your collection entered on the checklist, and that was pretty much it. So the checklist were really what brought it in, and then I you know I kind of lurked and lingered around the forums for a while before I really you know made any kind of you know regular comments or questions or anything. Um, Shadow Kishiragi was probably the most uh, helpful, uh, like when I first got here, just as far as um, I was just, you know, some, you know, new guy on the forum didn't know if I was going to be, you know, shoot out or like, uh, you know, <laughs> that's a stupid question. What are you asking that here for? But uh, I, Noob. I, I, I literally I literally remember every time I would ask something or say something. He was always the guy who was like, oh, no, this is how you do that. Or, oh, this is where you can look. Or this dude's really cool. Talk to him. Um, and it just kind of from there snowballed as a group of people who I really felt like uh, were a great group of people that I wanted to be involved with and trading with. So, uh, 
I mean, I've, I've said it before. I mean, like the, uh, it is a smaller, uh, tighter group of collectors than some other bigger sites with bigger marketplaces, but I don't think there's a better, uh, uh, collector forum out there than RFs. That's where I spend most of my time. Yeah. I'd like to echo that shadow is awesome. He's helped me out on many occasions and even welcomed me into his home once. So I can't say enough good things about him either. Yeah, I was, I was lucky enough to, well, I met him once. We, uh, I, I was in Florida and I, I ended up uh, like contacting him like the week or two before. And I said, listen, I know it's last minute, but I've got this Sega Genesis rental case that you would express interest in. And I'm going to be in your backyard in a few weeks. So what do you think? And he was like, yup, I'll meet you at a mini mall. So we like just two seconds, like it's like, hey, how you doing? Shake hands, swap things. Very nice to meet you. See you later. So <laughs> hopefully we can uh, meet for, uh, you know, longer than that in the future. I'm actually going to be in Florida in September. So we'll see. There you go. So you you mentioned um, briefly that you um, you've got somewhat of a focus for licensed NES stuff and 32x games. Um, what about the rest of your collection? How does that uh, fit into your your goals? Yeah, I mean NES is definitely the like the like the the passion for me. I guess you could say it's um, originally it was carts, and then you know like I grabbed a few complete games, and it's like those are really they're kind of like a really cool piece in the collection, but not really a focus, but. Once I started acquiring more and more box games, then eventually it's now it's all complete. And then, uh, you know, it's it's really just, I don't know, something about it, like the like the, the, the design of the boxes, like the black box games, the silver box Konami's like I love all the different subsets and just, uh, you know, the way the companies, you know, uh, differ from each other. But yeah, besides NES and 32X, which I know is my quirky little thing, uh, the rest of it's uh, kind of a mis- a mishmash and um the only ones I'm really going for complete collections for right now are, are NES, which will probably take the rest of my life and probably not get finished, uh, and 32X, which will get finished. Um, there's uh, It's really kind of games that I... Just games that I like or really, really want to have. So you have... Uh, there's like a half dozen, uh, you know, like Game Boy Advance uh, complete games, like a dozen N64s. Um, it kind of goes back to, like again, like what I was playing when I was growing up. Uh, Sega CD and Sega Saturn, I'm kind of on the fence on. Like, I used to buy any game that I didn't already own. Um, but, uh, I've kind of slowed down with those again since I wasn't really playing what I was buying. So, just to kind of keep it focused. Um, but I also play, uh, a lot of current gen stuff. Like, most of what I play is current gen. I've got a couple hundred games on my Steam account that I'm, uh, trying to work my way through. I'm a little addicted to Civilization V right now. So, that's taken up a lot of my time. But, uh, but yeah, and then I've got uh, like uh, over a hundred uh, 360 games. So um, yeah, it's, it's it's a little bit all over the place with the uh, the majority being you know NES, uh, 32X, and a handful of other things thrown in. Very good. So can you tell us maybe what is your favorite piece of your collection, or maybe your your centerpiece? Oh, it's 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 <laughs> tough. I mean, uh, and and that's the thing because I decided to go on a budget when I started collecting. I, I'm not going after uh, the Chippendale twos and the you know the the Bonks Adventure and the you know like all the 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 semi rare and hard to find ones because I wanted to try to number one stay on a budget number two kind of knock off the commons and then eventually kind of like go after like a few of the bigger pieces at a time so I really don't have too many of like the oh my god you have that game uh, you know for the Nintendo there's a few like I, I recently picked up a Romance of the Three Kingdoms two. Um, which again is not like a super crazy title, but it's a little bit harder to find. Uh, Mega Man One 
Um, I grabbed that for five bucks. I was very proud of picking that up. Uh, That's complete. a good, good one. Um, but uh, but yeah, when I when I look at the wall and I think like, what's my favorite thing? Like, I don't know why it's not like terribly rare or uncommon, but I I love my Nintendo Deluxe Set box without the picture of the system on it. <laughs> oh, just the head, huh? Yeah, there's just something about that box. Like, I look at it, and I feel like Rob's looking back at me like, yeah. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> so, um, I, I'm, pre- I'm pretty happy with my, uh, I got a complete power glove. Uh, I don't really, I had never seen one hit Craigslist before, and I remember asking Shadow back when I was, you know, newer to collecting, and I said, hey, dude, like, it's uh, it's complete, it's, uh, you know, it's like, I think it was like 40 or 50 bucks, it wasn't that much, and he said, yeah, I would definitely pick it up, I don't see those very often. And uh, it actually ended up being really cool because when I got it home, the box was open already. But when you pull it out, everything was still like twisty tied and plastic bagged, like it had never been used. Awesome. So um, so that was so it was kind of cool and uh, disappointing at the same time because I kind of wanted to use it. But <laughs> I don't, I don't ever go after sealed or unopened things. But when I get them, it's hard for me to bring myself to to break that seal. It's the curse of the collector. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and the same thing, like, another thing that's not terribly rare or expensive, but my 32X rental case, just, I'd never seen another one, kind of a 32X guy, so it's it's just one of those things that if I ever see another 32X dude or, you know, comes over to the house and says, whoa, where did you get that? It's like, yep, just, you know, happened to come <laughs> across it, so, um, and Dragon Force, thanks to, uh, thanks to Krabby, that's, I, I love anything with a great story behind it, and uh, you guys have touched on this before as far as, like, you know, I think that's what makes local collecting kind of feel a little more special in some collector's eyes because of not just because you did the legwork to go and grab it locally, just because of the story that you have attached with it. So mm-hmm. um, that Dragon Force disc, there was a actually the dude who picked up all the free uh, games at uh, at Best Buy in the recycling. He had some ones that he'd already owned, and he called me and said, "Hey, I heard you're collecting. You want to buy these?" So he came over to the house and. Uh, he handed me a stack of Saturn games on the bottom of the stack was what looked like a complete Dragon Force. So I didn't show my uh, poker face and I looked at the top game. Oh, okay, looks pretty good. Oh, Mortal Kombat for Sega CD. Oh, Dragon Force. I wonder what this looks like. So I kind of like look <laughs> yeah, at the back right. of it and look at the front. Working designs. Oh, working designs. Who are they? I don't even know. This is probably whatever. So I open up the case. And uh, so the instructions are in there. The rear artwork's in there. And then in the spot where the disc should be, there's a CDR, just like a blank CDR that he had written on with a Sharpie. Ha ha, got you. <laughs> <laughs> so I opened it up and I was I was like, Ugh, you totally got me. That was really good. And he laughed and he's like, uh, and I bought some other games from him and he's like, hey, uh, do you want to keep that Dragon Force case? And I was like, what are you asking for? He's like, oh, you can just have it. I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, I sold the disc uh, like years ago and I just kept the case because I liked it. So, um, you know, months later, uh, uh, Krabby posts something on, it might've been the worst of Craigslist. I can't remember, yep, but it was something was on, it. yep, it was in there. And, uh, he said, oh, this dude, you know, he's got a whole bunch of, you know, like a Saturn stuff. He's like, well, the saving grace is there's a loose dragon force disc in there. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. So <laughs> I, I sent him a message. I said, listen, if there's any chance you could grab that lot and I'll pay you what you pay for the lot. Just send me that disc. And, uh, he was actually able to, uh, grab it, um, sell the rest of it to make his money back and ship me the disc anyway, which then came back to him in the form of, Oh, what was it? Um, Mario brothers, I think WCW wrestling, Pugsley scavenger hunt and goal two. I think you bet. that was you got what it. the trip. Yep. And, yeah. and from the, the guy I sold the Saturn to, I ended up getting a Bucky O'Hare, which I, I really, really wanted. 
See? And it so it's and it was one of those things where I just remembered and that again back to the earlier question of you know like what kind of brings you to RF and it's like there are great deals to be had at most you know most sites on the internet but like uh, the the people I found at RF and the way everyone's you know super willing to help everybody else out and you know just to kind of help everyone with their collecting and just like the conversations that go on there that's kind of really what draws me to collecting are the relationships that you make with other collectors and uh, hopefully eventually getting to meet some of them. I know I'm lucky enough to have a couple local guys and Krabby, you've met uh, a local guy. So what about you, Bill? You have some other local collectors you meet up with? Um, once in a while. I mean, sometimes when I buy a Craigslist lot, I'll talk to the person. And I'll just try to say, so, hey, like, is, is this stuff out of your basement? Are you a collector? And they're like, uh, most of the time it's like, I uh, just found it in the basement or like it's the kids. We don't use it anymore. It's it's very rare that it's a, a collector, but um, they're, uh, uh, like I said, the local uh, local retro game shop around here, or at least, you know, as local as, uh, it's like 40 minutes away, but I drive <laughs> there once a week. But it's a, it's the closest thing that I have. So um, yeah, That's it, probably like halfway across Connecticut, isn't it? Uh, well, I'm in, I'm in southwestern Connecticut, so I'm much, much closer to New York City than most places in Connecticut. So it's like the very southwestern tip like literally like 10 minutes away in your new york state so um so yeah we have a it's kind of a weird area but uh because we're kind of it's kind of like rural like a suburb of like a lot of different cities but not a lot of stuff right around us so um but yeah my local retro game shop the guy who runs it i i've, I've not had great luck with uh, game shops especially chains like uh, you know trading games or you know whatever but um this guy, is, he's a really cool guy. He actually came to my house when I was selling all the stuff for the video store that I used to work at a year ago. And uh, just real, real cool dude. Like, he's real upfront with you. Like, listen, you know, like, I, I you know, I'm going to resell this stuff, so I got to make money, but I want to give you, like, something fair. So he, he really does work with you. Like, I, I feel like most uh, places I've been to before, like, they almost just don't have any interest in the collector aspect. It's like all for the money. So it's, it's really cool having a local it's, he's a local collector who just happens to run this awesome store. But uh, yeah, I mean, I really would love to like a uh, crabby was talking about uh, off the air a little bit, like trying to set up some sort of meetup event, like a semi, you know, like regularly where you can have a, like a whole group of people get together and play some games. Yeah, I'm meeting up uh, with a group like that tomorrow night. So I'll be doing hitting some retro games, some new stuff, and it's is, a lot is of that, fun. Is that Nintendiana or something else? Yes, yes, um, that's um, that's our local group, and you know, it's a couple guys from Nintendo Age and um, some home brewers that um, some people might know. So um, John White, who's made that um, Assimilate, which we right. talked about before, and uh, we might have. Uh, Mimblers over there. It's I mean, if any of you are in the homebrew scene, but he did uh, pretty much the first homebrew brew game, uh, Garage Cart, and uh, you know a couple of the folks, uh, Hungry Moose from RF Gen might be there. So, if you had to tell anybody that maybe is listening to the show and is not a part of RF Gen, if you had any message you'd like to convey to them, what would that be? Uh, about the site? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I'd, pro uh, you know, I, you know, I've, I think I've said it several different ways, uh, already, but, uh, the, uh, collecting it's, there's, there's a different vibe. There's a different feel to every site. And, uh, I, I really feel like the more time you spend, uh, lurking at a site or kind of like hanging out before you start really commenting, you can really kind of get a feel for the, uh, for, you know the, the kind of experience that you're in for 
uh, like the, between, um, I know you guys have mentioned a lot of sites before, but you got, you know, between Nintendo Age and Sega Age, uh, Sega 16, Racket Boy, like, you know, they all have a very different feel to them. And for me, uh, community is, you know, it's the most important thing. Uh, even it's, it's right up there with, uh, you know, like the quality of the games you're collecting or the kind of, uh, you know, like, uh, deals or product or whatever it is you're getting. So, um, there's, there's nothing better than, uh, I mean, you, you can you can go someplace and you can get a really good deal on something like oh I paid five bucks for this and it's like yeah it's even if you even if it's like a local collector story so I went out to a Goodwill I found all this great stuff for five bucks I'm super happy right now and you got a great deal and everything's everything's good but there's there's something special about getting on with a group of people who all these people want to do is help you out point you in the right direction. And no one's ever asking for anything in return. It just becomes a community where, like, you pick something up for somebody, you shoot it over to them, they grab something for you, they shoot it back over. It's just a really, really cool place. And uh, I really, you know, have not found a similar experience on any other site. Uh, as, as cool as a handful of the, you know, individuals and the other sites are, I feel like that's the challenge of once the site gets bigger and bigger and bigger, you start getting a much wider, uh, you know, array of people and, not everyone sees eye to eye, which is fine. Um, you just got to make sure that everyone keeps a level head and doesn't throw the, uh, you know, get the arguments out of control, which, you know, happens everywhere sometimes. So you deal with it and you move on. But I just I just haven't found a more mature uh, collecting uh, environment. And I know there's going to be some people who, you know, laugh at that and say, well, I don't know if I'd call myself mature, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's the experience I've had. So uh, and uh, I, honestly, before I before I was, uh, you know, talking with uh with you guys on uh, just on Skype and uh, I, w- I was a big fan of the of the podcast. Um, I was I mean I've been a fan of the the site for a long time, but that podcast hit and I was listening to it. I have a pretty long, pretty decent commute to work, so I ended up listening to each uh, one of the first few shows multiple times. And it's just one of those things that uh, I just I just when I'm you know when you're when there's a really great game and you'll love it, and then when you're not playing it, you're thinking about it. I kind of feel like collecting is like that a little bit where like you're it's you're just the collecting part of it is just fun and then sometimes when you're not when you're not collecting you're thinking about collecting you're thinking about oh what am I going to I got to call that guy and this guy's got this thing and maybe I got to check oh we're going to and that, oh we're going to Florida next uh, two weeks okay now we got a plan okay what's in Florida where are the tag sales at where are the the things at and uh, it's just uh, like I ended up thinking about collecting so it's okay let me throw the podcast back on so I don't know. It's just, it's just, uh, it's, it's hard to pinpoint like one thing that I like about it. So, uh, I'm just, I'm just going to stick with my, uh, you know, the quality of the community there is better than I found anywhere else. Oh, good. Well, um, I, I don't think we could probably agree more. Um, well, thanks for taking the time for, um, sitting down with us and doing this little interview and, um, we'll move on to the main topic. Sure. Hope I didn't bore anyone too much. Uh, absolutely let them know uh, if I did, because they will never have me on again. And a special addendum we've got to the small scores on this episode is uh, a little pickup that uh, Krabby himself made recently. So uh, what did you get, Krabs? 
yeah, it was a pretty interesting uh, local find, probably the rarest item I, I might ever find in my collecting life. Um, I was at the gym and I spotted an Exertainment logo in the <laughs> back corner, kind of tucked away. So I went to Explore and they've got these uh, exercise bikes hooked up to a kiosk that's got a monitor mounted in the top with game controllers in the, the handles, and you can play this this old Super Nintendo game I remember reading about, the mountain bike rally and speed racer combo. So it took, took a long time to uh, to track down the, the owner of the place because he doesn't pop in very often unless there's really a problem. Um, so I finally got a hold of him, though, and asked him if he wanted to sell them, and he said absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> The timing was good because he's got these old machines he doesn't want in his place. And the reason I'm going to this new gym now is because my old one closed down and it's just a different branch. All so right. I know he's got a ton of extra equipment he doesn't have room for. So he, he really wanted to get rid of this old stuff. Nice. And totally ha- was clueless, right? Yeah. He, he just knew that they were popular like back in the 90s when he had them. He's like, nobody cares about them anymore. So I just need them out of here. And when you say them, so you just mentioned one that you saw yeah, earlier. Yeah, sorry, so. I, I price-checked one. Um, I kind of kept it to myself, but he actually had two of these bikes there. So, And they're, they're numbered uh, three and four that I've got, so at one time he had four of them. Wow. Um, but one and two are long gone, he said. <laughs> All right, so so tell us about the details. Um, so we eventually tracked him down again, because after he said he wanted to sell them, he left town. So I had to wait a couple more weeks to get a hold of him and hash out a price and all that stuff. Um, so he wanted 500 for the pair of them, but he wasn't sure if one of them worked because it had been so long since it had been hooked up. Oh, yeah. Instead of just walking to the wall and plugging it in, <laughs> I offered him $300 uh, for the both, so he took that. He was happy with that. Sight unseen, just just take it. Who cares, right? Exactly. And I figured even if it was broken, um, the parts inside would be uh, well worth the investment. Oh, yeah, even if you got the game in there. Yeah, I wasn't sure what was inside, but there is a Super Nintendo mounted like <laughs> vertically into both of them. Very nice. Mm-hmm. And the carts are in both? You betcha. I've got <laughs> two copies of the, the combo cart. Very nice. And yeah, for those of you not familiar with them, the, their rarity is on par with like a the Donkey Kong competition cart and Star Fox competition cart. Like they're quite hard to find because they apparently didn't have a regular retail release they were just for commercial use yeah yeah a lot of like the racer mate challenge stuff for the NES. yeah very similar to that and um so you took them home and tell us what about the one that was untested um it plugged in and it booted up fine and it looks great the monitor in that one uh much better but i don't think it's the original monitor i think they replaced it uh-huh. um but I started pedaling and my guy wasn't going. So we switched the bikes around to the other kiosk and the bike itself is fine. So there's just something with that wire that connects the kiosk to the bike that I'm going to have to deal with. But it seems like the bike works perfect and everything on the kiosk works perfect. So I think it's just that wire. Excellent. So, um, so what are the plans with these amazing finds of yours? I want to get them both running so I can have some friendly competitions with my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe post a little video of you. if you maybe, I want you to do it to like that, um, that let's get physical song. <laughs>
<laughs> can you do that? I'll try and find a, a spandex suit like that girl's got in most of the pictures I can find online, too. Yeah, well, it, it, with leg warmers, and yeah. I would prefer uh, the uh, music from Rocky Four while he's training to fight Drago. That would be... You know, if you could just dress like the dance aerobics gal in, uh, on the Nintendo <laughs> <Yeah>. game. <laughs> See what I can do. But yeah, I looked on YouTube. There's not really anything up for it, so I'll definitely have to upload some... I can record straight off of the uh, systems, and I can also do video like the bikes in action. Okay, your channel is going to blow up. Hopefully. I, pr- I predict. That's awesome. So um, so are you ready for the deluge of offers after people listen to this? Um, I don't think I'm going to sell them anywhere in the near future anyway. Not unless some kind of amazing gift from God were to show up. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah. I mean, with the, with the size of them, you'd have to like, like crate or freight them, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, they'd be on a pallet. Yeah. They are they're they're surprisingly light and they come apart into two pieces. The bike and the kiosk come separate. Mm. Um so they'd be easy enough to package, but yeah, they're they'd still be pretty pricey to ship, especially down to the States or something. And do we know of anybody else that has one complete one, let alone two? I had a really hard time finding anyone who had information on them. I posted on like six different forums looking for for information when I first saw these uh-huh. and the only ones people could link me to were the, the home version of the bike, which are wildly different than these ones. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure. I'll have to ask around. Maybe if I throw some pictures up there, it'll jog someone's memory and I'll, I'll be able to chat with someone. Cause I'd like to find someone else who has one to see if any parts have been replaced. Cause like one bike's got different pedals than the other. So I want to know which one were the original pedals, just little odds and ends like that. Did you ask the the guy that ran it who he sold the other two to? Does he remember? He said they're scrapped. He said they, <laughs> they stopped working and they went down to the junkyard like a decade ago. Wow. And I'm pretty sure if I didn't snap these up by a couple months from now, they, these ones might have gone there too. That's just crazy, huh? So if somebody, so um, you know, for those out there to tantalize them, if if somebody were to have, let's say, like a a gray Nintendo World Championship, they could swap you for one, right? Yeah, that might be a, a trade I'd be willing to, to go for. <laughs> might be. Because <laughs> you've got all the other heavy hitters. What else do you need, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, oh, another cool thing I found out, too, was this is probably the, the only time that my area comes in handy for collecting because the, the company that produced the game is out of Vancouver. Yeah. And I, I'm not anywhere close to Vancouver, but I'm in the same province. So I'm assuming um, that's how they ended up in here because normally you don't find interesting stuff like this in Canada. Wow. So maybe you should try to track down like people from the company and see if there's like any excess material sitting around somewhere in a warehouse you could like cash in. They're still making games. They're, they made like prototype and uh, they did some Simpsons games and crash tag racing and Oh, so that stuff. stuff is probably sold and long gone then, huh? Yeah, they're still thriving right now it sounds like. What a shame. Could have had like a big cash in there. <laughs> yeah, but if anyone's in uh, BC and Alberta areas, um, most gyms give you like a week trial. If you notice they have some older <laughs> equipment in the in the window, you might want to go take a peek. That's right. Just uh, you know, I just want to say what kind of equipment. Do you have any really old equipment? Because I don't like this newfangled <laughs> stuff. Hey, you get a free trial. Run in there for one day. If they don't have anything, they don't have anything. You there's gonna know. there's gonna be a rash of people like scoping out gyms in in British Columbia. Now, now we need to redo our our local hunting uh, 
episode so I can add gems to the, the collecting <laughs> or hunting ground. You never know, right? <laughs> well, I mean, that's really fantastic. I don't. Um, you you've got you got some real luck going on with with what you got. So more power to you, man. I'm really glad you you found those. Thank you. I'm pr still pretty excited about it. Can't wait to to post a bunch of pictures and videos and see what everyone else has to say. Oh yeah, I just want to see you get physical. <laughs> you can well what I want you to do just to make everyone horribly jealous is um I want you to do the bike and like do all that and then just hop immediately over and play some stadium events <laughs> right next to it. Have the power pad all ready to go. That's right. And it could only get better if you could then just jump over into a chair and start playing Nintendo World Championship. <laughs> <laughs> People would hate you, I think. Let's see what I can do. <laughs> On with the show. I thought we'd start off by talking about just some of the tools that we use and keep handy so when we're taking things apart or really cleaning some nitty-gritty things, um, what are some of the great things that we have? So, um, hey, Krabby, so what kind of little odds and ends do you keep in your little cleaning kit? Um, one of the most useful that I like is I've got a little uh, screwdriver set. For, yeah. I've, I've used it for my glasses for years, um, but it's been extremely handy with taking apart game systems because the, they've got these foam cutouts for all the screwdrivers. Yeah, so yeah. it's a nice place to put security bits and little screws in when you've popped them out too so you don't lose them. Oh, wonderful. And for those that, you know, may not be as familiar, you you know, you also have to have a really nice set of those um game bit drivers, right? Absolutely. You know, obviously a lot of different sources to pick some of those up. I know a lot of people get theirs on eBay. I personally got mine from a, a website called newelectronics.com. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes, but they've got a wide variety of the different game bits and like sets and things that you can buy, and, and they're really they're very good quality. Um, where did you get yours from, Crab? Um, I got them from nintendorepairshop.com. Oh, okay. It's the same thing. They've got quite a variety. They don't just do Nintendo stuff. They do, they've got bits for Sega systems and things, replacement parts for pin connectors, DS screens, all sorts of cool stuff there. Yes, same here. Um, I, I actually just ordered a fuse for my for a Super Nintendo that I've got to repair um, from them just the other day. So they've got some cool products, and the prices seem pretty reasonable. Yeah, I've bought from them twice now, and I've good experience each time. So what about you, Bill? Any special screwdrivers or kits or anything that you keep around? Uh, yeah, I've got kind of like a an all-in-one, like a catch-all kit that uh, just stays right next to my desk. It's a... a called it's a chronos kit k-r-o-n-u-s and it's it's pretty standard i've seen these things all over the place it's got like a set of jeweler screwdrivers that are really similar to those little like eyeglasses repair kits um and they have you know the flathead uh, which are really good for uh, opening up nintendo carts that don't have that uh you know a, a special bit that uh, the rest of them use right and um I, I also throw my you know two little bits in there for all the you know, ones that don't use the standard screws. And it's got needle nose pliers and a set of dikes just for kind of clipping uh, things if I need to get in there. So it's kind of everything I need in one little kit. Very cool. Do you remember where you got that? 
I think I got it at a Best Buy. Like, they have, like, a little area that's, uh, you know, like, a little PC repair area, and they yeah. have, like, little toolkits. I'm pr- I think I got it at a Best Buy, but I'm just doing a search online, and you can find these things everywhere for, like, 5 or $10. So it's, it's really, really pretty universal. Do either of you ever work, like, on Xbox 360 controllers? It's funny no, I you should, yeah, It's funny you should say that because my favorite Xbox 360 controller... Uh, just last night while I was playing, uh, I realized that the left bumper felt a little funny, like it wasn't clicking, and it just feels like mush, and it, uh, yeah, it doesn't work. So I am just now going to have to try to figure out, like look up how to repair the bumper, and if not, uh, maybe do a swap on it. Yeah, I uh, if it's like what happened to mine, you'll just have to do a swap, because it's just like this plastic piece, mm-hmm. and um, it's not really like on a hinge or anything. It's just kind of once that plastic kind of gives way from its springiness, it's kind of done. Yeah, but you can you can buy a shell kit, you know, and just reshell it if you. Yeah, need I mean, to. it's uh, it's remember that spe- the the transforming D pad that came out like a year ago. Yeah, it's that one, and I love that controller. So I think I might uh, just uh, try to find a way to swap it with another one. But to get into those, you have to have like this really deep um, torque security head. I think it's like a T fifteen security bit. Mm-hmm to get in there and you can't just seem to go find one because you have it's pretty long to get into some of those screws um and it's just a really oddball item i had to track one down online but that's definitely something to have if you don't have one in your kit um what kind of other little goodies do you guys keep in your kits to kind of uh work with things or clean things up yeah and i should have mentioned i've also got a little it's the only piece that's not in that little kit. I've got a cobalt uh, little torque set. So cobalt, meaning you can only get it at Lowe's. Um, it's uh, it's just a little, like you pop the, the back off it, and it's got four bits in it that are double-sided torques. So it's everything from the, the smallest teeny tiny torques, like up to 15. Um, so for, like, you know, original Xbox, uh, the underside uh, is the torques and a handful of other things. So that I keep nearby. But other than the tool stuff, I have a couple of little, like, uh, like Ziploc uh, snap lid uh, things with my like uh, alcohol uh, solvent in it and my uh, Brasso polish and my Goo Gone. Okay, what about you, Crab? Um, I like Bill. I keep the uh, alcohol and the. Mine's not Brasso. It's just like the generic store brand. Same idea though. Um, the only other weird things I keep in there are a pair of uh, weightlifting gloves. Um, that's for when I'm doing like more than 10 carts at once, just saves my hand a little bit of irritation, uh, using a screwdriver for that long. And also it's got all the tips of the fingers cut off so I can still be very precise with the small things if I need to move stuff around. That's interesting. I don't, um, I've never used any kind of glove. Wait, Bill, do you do anything like that? I, I never have. Um, but, uh, um, Krabby and I have talked about this before with uh, the gloves and, uh, there's a pair of gloves you can get at like a, like a like a Sears or any kind of hardware tool store called framing gloves. And they're a lot like mechanics gloves, only the thumb and forefinger are exposed. So the whole rest of the hand is covered, but so you have like some protection. But then if you need to just like grab a really tiny screw or something, your fingers are exposed. So weightlifting gloves are, are you know, if you have those, they work great. If not, framing gloves are cool. But uh, I typically don't wear gloves unless I'm going into uh, a system that has sharp edges. And I, I can't even imagine... I can't think of the last time I put gloves on to go into a system. So are we just trying to say that uh, Krabby's got girly hands? Is that... Uh... <laughs> I got to keep them soft and delicate. Yeah. You know, that's... Uh, that's uh, you want to keep your feminine side going. I get you. That's good. Yeah. You know what? 
Now, I keep around, um, like with the rest of my stuff, um, like also a set of tri-wing screwdrivers for like some of the Nintendo, like Game Boy Advance the and whatnot. DS uses them too, I think, yeah. Yeah, you guys have sets of tri-wings? You bet. I don't actually, but uh, I'm not uh, a huge Game Boy guy yet, so I'm sure I will pick up some tri-wings at some point. Yeah, they're definitely a necessity if you're doing anything that's in the portable Nintendo realm. That's kind of how they lock all their stuff up. I think the Wii takes them too now. Oh, well. Not not 100% sure on that, but if I remember correctly, they do. That wouldn't surprise me any. I guess it would make sense for them to standardize on something. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if they buy them in gigantic bulk, it probably makes more sense. Now, when you guys are taking screws out of stuff and whatnot, I use like a little pill box to organize the screws. So that way I don't like drop them, lose them, or one of the kids grab them. So what do you guys do about that? I just use the, the foam cutouts on my uh, screwdriver set. Okay. Yeah, it uh, it depends. If it's just a game, um, I do one game at a time right at my desk. Uh, so I just pop them out. I put the screws on the mouse pad, and then I you know clean the game and do what I'm doing and put it back together. If it's a system, um, one of two things. If it's a Nintendo system, like it's for like a you know 72 pin repair or something like that, uh, there's actually a little plastic tray that's kind of like attached to the bottom of the Nintendo, and yeah. I just unclip that and I put I you know upside down and just throw all the screws in there just to kind of keep them in one place. Um, but if it's a if it's a system where all the screws on the underside are the same, I normally don't bother separating them. Uh, once in a while, you get a system that's got different screws once you get inside. And then I usually just get like a scrap piece of paper and I kind of make myself little notes like these screws go here when I put them on the piece of paper. So Now, do you do that, Crab? Do you make notes or something if you have to tear a system apart or how do you approach that? I usually have uh, either a YouTube video or a just a website um, with lots of pictures so I can kind of retrace my steps if I need it. Now, see, I just keep the digital camera around. So, like, if it's a system I'm not familiar with, I'll just snap pictures as I go and tear things down so that way I can kind of just reverse order the thing if I need to. That's actually a good idea. And also it gives you the opportunity to make a little guide when you're done if you feel like it. Yeah, that's true. If I wanted to help others, but I'm not helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, speaking of like ones with different screws, I just finished like cleaning up an N64, and I hate that that thing has so many different little size screws <laughs> that hold that thing together. I'm like, really, Nintendo? Yeah. I hate that an N64 cart has two different kinds of screws to uh, get it open. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if you've, if you've never done it before, it's like the standard Nintendo uh, bit. Like the, I think it's a 2.88 millimeter um, will open the cart, but then once you get inside, it's a really small Phillips. Then you got to switch your bits, and then take the RF shield off, then you clean the thing, then you got to. Uh, I've forgotten to put those Phillips screws in and sealed the card up so many times. <laughs> yeah, and do you ever notice that like those little screws in there are seem like they're just about welded in? I mean, they're hard to open most of the time. Yeah, I think actually Krabby uh, broke the, the post off a of game once taking a screw out. I mean, what? Um, few NES games, I've found a couple ones that are just, the shell seems really brittle. I'm not sure what made them that way, how they were stored or what, but... Um... Yeah, unscrewing it um, just snapped the whole post off that the, the screw is supposed to go into. Ouch. And then, like I said, that happened three times. Two times it was whoop-de-doo. It was like games like Platoon. But the the third time was my copy of Zombie Nation. So oh. it was a little a little frustrating, but uh, it still still runs. <laughs> I guess that brings us to super glue. Yeah, that's that's how the, the shell went back together after. So my Zombie Nation's not going to be opened up again very easily. <laughs> you just glued the whole thing, huh? Just the one side, yeah. The other side was fine. Wow, that's pretty extreme. 
But, um, yeah, I mean, super glue, great thing to have in your little box, right? I mean, you never know when you're going to need it. Absolutely. Now, I also keep around like a, like a little dental hook. That I, it's basically, I mean, they're just, they're used dental tools that I guess they got done using. I found them at like a flea market. And um, I'll use those a lot, like, especially if I'm doing um, like 72 pin connector repair, because they're great to kind of get in there and bend the pins up. It's like just right size wise, and that little hook lets you get underneath it. That's actually a good idea. Yeah. You can actually buy those at like the supermarket for like a buck. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. And they're kind of really, you know, got a small point. They're kind of not sharp, but enough to where you can kind of get in little grooves and stuff sometimes if you need to, to clean stuff out. So it's it's one of my favorites. Now, if it's like plastic that's somebody's going to see cosmetically, I don't use it because I almost scratch things up. I'll use like a toothpick. But um, yeah, sometimes it's a really great little thing to have. I might have to check that out. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a nice little tool and uh, and cheap, dirt cheap to get. And last but not least, I mean, um, we'll talk more about stickers in a little bit, but I, I keep, you know, uh, being married. I've got, my wife's got a hair dryer, but I also have got like a junk little hair dryer I keep around for like some sticker removal and stuff. Do you guys just borrow the spouses or? Uh, I, I don't. I actually am not big on hair dryers. Um, I've used them a couple times, um, but I'm really, uh, I'm really a pretty firm believer in uh, Goo Gone, Q-Tip, and uh, Patience. And uh, I've, I've usually not had to resort to heat at all. Okay. Krabby, you use the heat a little bit? Um, yeah, I've used hair dryer several times. Um, I used to have extremely long hair, though, so I didn't have to borrow my wife's hair dryer. I just <laughs> used my own. I still have not seen pictures of you without the hair yet, so you owe me. I'll get some up when I'm riding my delightful new bikes. <laughs> and clean shaven. Are you still clean shaven? I got some stubble, but it's not like seven inches long. Oh, man, you're going to look like a kid or something i don't know what to think i'm gonna feel even older thanks <laughs> any, any way i can rub that in i will try my best i appreciate that yeah no good looking out hey i've still got hair on top of my head so i can't complain any <laughs> all right great so i think that's probably most of the tools unless you guys have anything else that you you use that's kind of a secret uh toothbrush and um uh not for for games but for for systems like if a system or like a like an arcade stick it is really just like dirty or grimy once i take it apart and like all the electronics are out of it and you kind of have like that empty shell just a toothbrush with like a little bit of like soapy warm water like a like a drop of dish soap um but i I don't normally keep that in my regular tool set that's just kind of like the the way i clean you know systems and things uh you know that are like bigger that uh, get dirty but uh yeah, that's the only other thing that's in my kind of repertoire of tools. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, I I keep a tooth, toothbrush in there, too, and I don't know why. You know, I guess I don't think of it because I don't use it all the time. But it's also great for, like, those little um, heat vents, you know, that all the dust collects in and you can't. Yeah, especially, especially on uh, uh, well, on everything, but on, like, the, the top of a Genesis 1 and, like, the little crevices of a Genesis 2, like, where it's, like, you can't get your fingernail or anything in there. So, like... There's there's lots of little places oh, that yeah, the, uh, a toothbrush can reach. Yeah, the N64 vents behind mm-hmm. the cartridge. Yeah. Uh, original original Xbox had vents all along the side, and ridges everywhere too. Yep. Yeah, that that I'm not a big fan of that design. But uh, uh, one thing we haven't mentioned too, um, it's kind of obvious I think is why we didn't mention it is the the huge box of Q-tips. Yep. Q-tips, um, some isopropyl alcohol, definitely big things to keep in, keep handy i I probably go through way too many q-tips but <laughs> to the yeah. outside folks they probably would wonder what the hell i'm doing 
We buy like the big thousand pack. <laughs> they go fast though, don't they? Yeah, you use you know a couple, two, three, four on every cart, and they're gone quick. Yeah. All right. So that's kind of some of the tools. I'm sure you listeners out there probably have your own little special toolkit that you put together, or maybe you're just starting and you're kind of thinking about putting your own stuff together. So I'd be kind of curious to hear if we've missed anything or if there's some secrets out there that, that you know, we've not thought of. Or So make sure you, you go and share those with us in the post uh, in the post and, you know, in the show notes. Next, though, I, I think we could probably get into talking a little bit about like cart cleaning because I, I know you guys are just like me you do a lot of cart cleaning right yes oh yeah every every single cart uh for every single system is opened cleaned before it uh that's the first step before it gets logged into the collection in rf and then the last step is like photos and database uh, uh submissions hmm. i have a, a little like uh tv tray that you, you know people eat dinner in front of the tv on in my game room and that's set aside and all my new stuff gets piled on this uh, table until I've got enough to do a big clean and then I work it into the collection after. All right. Yeah, I kind of take, yeah, I have like a little, I'm sure like everybody, an induction process. So everything that comes through gets a cleaning. I mean, even the stuff that I put in my sale thread usually gets a you know pretty good cleaning. Um, it's just, I don't know. I take some sick pleasure in it. I don't know about you guys. It's enjoyable, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I used to clean stuff that was uh, that you know I knew was going to be for sale even when I first got it. But uh, after my first few trades, I was I was asking people like you know I hadn't cleaned something yet, and I was asking a few people. I said like, hey, like uh, I just I you know I just got this in. You want me to clean it before I send it to you? And I found that most people enjoy their their own cleaning method. Like they 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 want to do it themselves. So I started asking people, you know, do you want me to clean it or do you want the honors? And then they were like, you know, most people I find want to clean it themselves. So I'll usually ask, but I don't clean everything anymore. Yeah, I think I just kind of do it because um, the people that buy from my sale thread are such a wide variety. You know, there's I get all the way from people that are just starting out with systems and things. And like, you know, like the common games, you know, like if somebody's buying a Bayou Billy, <laughs> they're probably not at to the point where they're really getting in and doing a lot of deep cleaning but right. uh, um but yeah i can see that because i i recently had a, a game that i got and yeah the the person i got it from asked you know hey do you want me to clean this before you send it out and i said no it's okay i'll take the honors mm. uh, what about you crabby do you clean stuff you sell or do you just lightly um only if it's something uh fairly easy to remove and, and if, if it's worth the effort, if it's a Bayou Billy, it's not worth the effort for me to sell it <laughs> as is. If it's, you know, $20 game, then I'll, I'll put a little elbow grease into it and make it look nice. Well, I mean, I don't know. I would like what, you know, I'm watching TV or a movie or something at night and I can sit down and just clean some carts or a system or something, you know, it just kind of passes the time and keeps my hands busy. Yep. Same here. I'll, I'll do, I'll either be on the, on the computer doing something or my TV is kind of placed, uh, in an area where I can see it right from my desk. So I'll like throw something on and uh, I'll just have three or four carts and I'll just be working on them while I watch something. Yeah, I've got a friend who's got a pretty big DVD collection. So I just go raid his house for a few and then I plop down and watch some new movies while I'm cleaning up. There you go. Wonderful stuff. Nice. So, all right. There, so there's obviously like a ritual about cleaning a cart, you know, that we probably all go through. So, um, Let's kind of talk about our own rituals and then maybe some other things that we use uh, when it comes to that. So, um, 
Bill is our guest. You want to start off and kind of tell us about your cartridge cleaning ritual that goes on? Uh, yeah, most of the things I get in are NES. Um, so uh, my my standard uh, like process that I've kind of like refined and, and I'm happy with is so I sit down with the cart, yeah, I flip it over, I take the screws out, screws go on the mouse pad, and then I take the PCB or like the little uh, the board out. And uh, I have like a, a cotton t-shirt. It's not old enough where it's kind of like ratty and falling apart. So it's like semi, semi new. And uh, that's what I actually use to, to you know, polish the, uh, apply the Brasso and polish the pins. So I put, I shake the Brasso up. I put just a little dab of the Brasso right on the, uh, right on the pins, uh, a little bit on one side. And then I kind of, with the t-shirt, you know, put a little bit on both sides and then just kind of slide back and forth, just kind of scrub in, and uh, you know, you'll you'll the stuff works really fast. You'll see the the dirt coming off and the grime come off really quickly, and then you can you can tell that the cart is uh, is nice and clean. So then I have my little alcohol solution. Um, I use a seventy percent, and I distill it a little bit with water, but I don't think there's anything you know wrong or bad about using alcohol by itself. It's just you know what I do, probably out of habit. And I just take a, I dab a dry part of the t-shirt in the alcohol mix, and then I kind of like wipe off the, uh, you know, whatever residue the Brasso may have left behind. And then I kind of dry the PCB off with the dry part. And the last thing, and this is a piece I added after I cleaned my first handful of carts, is the bottom uh, of the, of the cart. Uh, where the where the board is actually going to stick out, the part that's going to make contact. A lot of times, since that was exposed, uh, you know, even when it's exposed when the cart is closed, a lot of dirt and grime and crap can get in there. So um, I'd same thing. I take a like a little dab with the t-shirt in the uh, alcohol solution, and I just really kind of get in there, scrub back and forth, um, Q-tip if necessary, because that's like a little you know crevice uh, area, mm-hmm. and then uh, dry that off. Uh, just because you know I don't want like that dirt that's going to live so close to the board, you know infecting the board that I just, uh, you know, cured of plague. So, um, that's, uh, and that's, and then, you know, it gets, uh, uh the outside of the cart's the last thing I clean. So same thing. I go back to my kind of catch all solution, like my half alcohol, half water mix. And it actually does a really good job. Uh, the most labels on Nintendo games, even if they're not like super glossy, they have like a little bit, um, of like a, like a lamination or a gloss to it so you're not gonna you know hurt it by rubbing over it with a little bit of uh like a like an alcohol solution so just do like a quick you know once over on the front and back um unless there are and the there's a the exception is for some rentals you got void stickers so these silver stickers that when you uh, peel off and they yeah. leave the void there now the only way i found to deal with these this is where i don't use the cotton t-shirt this is where i take uh i fold up some paper towels because they're a little bit more abrasive and um, I put a, a normally goo gone. It's just a little bit, just as little as it takes to do the job, because I don't want to like you know douse my stuff in goo gone. But in this case, I put you know quite a bit of goo gone on the uh, on the uh, uh, paper towels, and you just scrub back and forth, and just watch TV for a minute or two, and just don't worry about you know you're scrubbing like that'll keep going on because it takes a while to it'll start coming off, but it kind of takes a while to get all that crap off there, and then uh, you know those are. You know, you're going to run into them, and um, the cool thing is you can get a really good deal on former rentals if you don't mind putting a little bit of work into cleaning those void stickers off. Uh, so, yeah, we find a way to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, those, uh, you know, they can be the bane of your existence, but, I mean, the good news is that they're typically on parts of the cart where it's not a big deal to get the junk off. They don't, like, slap those sort of things on labels or anything. Yeah, not usually. Yeah, they generally wrap it around the side so you can't open the shell up, right? Right, yeah, to deter people in the ancient days of swapping boards, right? Yep. Um, so, 
I'm curious, is I've never used it. So is Brasso, is it a solvent? Brasso, uh, I will, it's, uh, I'll read you the bottle right here. Brasso is quality for over 100 years. <laughs> uh, it, it's um, it's brass almost like you're selling it. Yeah, almost. Um, it's uh, and it's real cheap too. Like this, this I've had this one bottle for. Um, oh God, I mean, like since I started collecting, like when I first heard about like that people use this to clean games, I went and bought a bottle. It's not even half empty, and I probably cleaned over like four or five hundred carts with it. So it really goes a long way. It's brass, copper, stainless, chrome, aluminum, pewter, and bronze polish. Like that's it's it's uh, advertised as a uh, cleans and polishes all these things. It is not abrasive at all. There's not like, you know, like a, a like like a like some bathroom cleaners, like you know, Comet and stuff like that, and it's it's really gritty. Yeah. This this stuff is just like smooth as anything. Like it's just uh, it just looks like a thick like a like white kind of like a liquid like a goo, mm-hmm. um, and it's uh, like a paste almost. So and uh, you just you know you put a little bit on the cart and you know I don't. I don't know the magic that it that it works after that, but uh, it's it's you know I, I was a little apprehensive at first, you know, because Nintendo, you know, they always you know you don't clean with solvents, you don't clean with alcohol, but uh, <laughs> yeah, right on the this, label, yeah, yeah, and, and I'm telling you, like I've uh, you know I've never had a bad experience with Brasso, I've never had you know a game not work perfectly afterwards, um, and the thing is, it's it's visible, it's like you clean it and right away it looks brand new, and you show it to somebody. Uh, like sometimes your wife, who's like, "Oh yeah, good for you. I don't care." And, uh, and then you <laughs> shut show, up! You're uh, interrupting yeah, my show. Exactly. And then you show other people, and then they're like, "Oh, that's that's amazing. How do you do that?" So um, it's it's really really great stuff, and it's it's like a buck or two. So I highly recommend it to anyone who's uh, on the fence or curious. Okay. So what I about you? Second that endorsement. Yeah. Okay. So Krabby, what's your little ritual there? Um, it's basically the same as Bill's. I work from the inside out, also. Um, first thing I ever want to get my hands on is that board and check it out. Um, I, I just wait till I've got that big stack of games and I unscrew them all at the same time so I don't have Whoa, to really? take my gloves on and off. That's why my hand gets sore so I got the gloves because uh-huh. I'll do like 20, 30 carts at a time sometimes. Wow. Um, yeah, I uh, hit the pins basically the same way that uh, Bill described. Um, then go for any uh, marker writing that's on the, the cartridge. The easy stickers come next, and then the void stickers are last. And I, th- I think I use all the same methods he just talked about, so there's no no sense in repeating them. So sticker attacks are still goo gone for you? Yeah, yeah. I use uh, some stuff called goof off. It's the same same stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, is it still? Is it also smell citrusy? Um, no. It smells like a cleaner. It's kind of gross smelling. Okay. Yeah, if if you never used Gugon before, Gugon has like a really strong like uh, citrusy, orangey uh, scent to it. So I don't know if that's you know for effect or just for you know they this, think it smells nice. This stuff smells more like uh, like tile cleaner you'd use in your bathroom. Okay, so yeah. it's got like a bleachy almost smell to it. Not really bleached, but there's definitely a chemical smell to it. It's not very pleasant. Okay. It, it dissipates it, really never, quick though, so your cart doesn't stink afterwards. Good. Now you meant real quick. You mentioned uh, markers, and that's that's something I forgot about. I don't see markers too often on games, but someone had a really good tip in the RF forums a while back, and I'm sorry that I don't remember who exactly said it, but uh, uh, dry erase uh, markers. Um, so what what uh, happens is uh, if you have like a sharpie, like a permanent marker on the gray of like a Super Nintendo or NES or whatever cart, you know it's it's really really hard to get off without like sanding it off. So someone found out that if you 
cover that if you draw like a, as close as you can, like exactly over that same line with dry erase marker, the dry erase marker will actually kind of absorb the uh, like the permanent marker ink, and then you can wipe it right off. I think that was single banana that gave that tip on. Yeah. Yep. I've I've had a lot of luck a lot of times with um, like either rubbing alcohol or goo gone also getting marker off. Oh yeah. Yeah, it works pretty well, and I guess if it gets really, really bad, and you can always, like, take a magic eraser to it, but I'm not the biggest fan of that, because it is a little abrasive, a little, but um, I'm, sometimes it does the job, and it's not that bad, but... Yeah, I usually just use my goof-off stuff. I, I used a magic eraser once, and the the edge of the cart was so smooth it was noticeable, so I, I don't like using that anymore. Yeah, it's pretty extreme, and there's only certain circumstances where... I think it's okay to go for it, but it has its place, I think. Do you ever contemplate leaving names on there? Oh, I, I, I do all the time. No, no. It, 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 it depends on, uh, uh, it depends on a few things. Like, uh, if, if it's, if it's in a place that's going to bother me, that's one thing. Um, but the, you know, like how, uh, in Toy Story, at, on the bottom of Woody's foot, like it says Andy, <laughs> but it's, yeah. it looks like it was written by a child. If there's like a ch- like a like that same type font like in, in a kid's handwriting that says like Brian's favorite game like <laughs> that's I don't know I just feel like that's cool like I'm gonna leave Brian's name on that that's that's fine yeah like I picked up a lot of stuff and it was all NES carts and on the back um, over top of the warning label they had Fis- Fitzpatrick's by and obviously written by a child <laughs> and and I cleaned them all off and then like six months later I bought another Craigslist lot. From the same guy. I didn't know, though, because my wife went to pick up that one for me. Super Nintendo carts. Fitzpatrick's across the top. I'm like, man, I wish I would have kept the NES <laughs> ones. I've got all this stuff. And then six months later, I picked up their any or their N64 stuff off Craigslist. And it's Fitzpatrick's all across the top of the N64 <laughs> cart. So I kind of wish I would have kept all these names on there because, you know, a good chunk of my collection is from the Fitzpatrick's house now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I... No, I would never contemplate that. I always take all of it off. I want my stuff to look as like near to new as possible. So that's interesting, though. I mean, it's a that's an interesting quirk. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a rule like it always is on or it's always cleaned off. But you know, like it's it's kind of case by case with me. Like sometimes you end up getting a cart and you look in the back and like whether it's a video store or some person like uh like engraved like dremeled a name oh. or like a letter oh. back there and then it's like. There's there's nothing you can do unless you want to like sand it down further and you know but you're still gonna end up with like a big blemish on the back of the cart or whatever so you know it's uh sometimes you can't get around it but like to me it's like if it's cool it stays or like if I like it it stays you know I'm not I'm not terribly picky about condition like as long as the game works and it looks pretty good like I'm cool with it yeah now I that's an opportunity to swap a back out with a junk cart for me I'm just that's not gonna happen. I'm not. I'm not keeping somebody's Dremel work on a cart. That's okay. I'll pass that off on a. You can just stick one of those "Be kind, please rewind" stickers over it and hide it. <laughs> but what if someone gives you a cart for your birthday who like knows you and they Dremel in the back, "Happy birthday"? That's different. I'd I'd be happy keeping that. A, a I think I would slap them, uh, and and B uh, I would swap the back out. <laughs> And then smack them with the, the back that's beaten up. Uh, no, I, I think everyone knows me well enough that if they're going to give me a cart, they're not going to do that. Uh, well, my routine is, is kind of like your guys, but a little little different. Um, 
I start on the outside and work my way in. Um, I do most of my outside cleaning, you know, kind of like what you guys talked about. Um, I use isopropyl alcohol, uh, usually like the 70% mix or whatever, and um, that does all my outside cleaning and label cleaning. You know, especially when I'm cleaning labels, I try to let it dry out quite a bit so it's just barely damp with the alcohol. So I, you know, I don't want to try to risk it bleeding around the edges or anything. I should mention, too, while we're on the subject of alcohol, um, you said 70%, and Bill says 70% watered down. I used 99%, and I've had great success with that, too. Yeah, I, I would probably guess. Uh, I, I'm, I know alcohol is a solvent, but I imagine it's probably, I mean, unless you're going to leave this stuff in there or let it take a bath in it, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, and it's and it's not like and some I know some people have said they dilute just so like it'll last longer. And on the one hand, I understand that, but on the other hand, like what's it like sixty seven cents for like a half gallon <laughs> of alcohol? So like I mean, you really could go either way. Like I just like I said, I I I'm pretty sure that I just dilute it because that's what I've you know been doing for a year. Like uh, you know, it's just kind of habit at this point, so I keep doing it. But uh, yeah, I don't think there's any risk as long as you know you use the alcohol and then kind of wipe off like whatever's residual. You should be fine. Yeah. Um, I, I would just say like a couple things you want to be really careful about is, um, like I've found like, uh, unlicensed NES carts, a lot of those labels may not have that laminate over it. So you really shouldn't try to clean that label that way. Cause you'll just smear the ink or whatnot, or pull the ink up. Um, same thing I find too, with like later release of like Super Nintendo and some, um, N64 carts, they don't have that laminate protective layer on there, and if you try to do any cleaning, you're going to screw the label up. Mm. Um, do you guys run into that ever? Um, there's a couple NES carts that I kind of feel like uh, every time I see these carts, whether it's like, you know, out in like a lot or like at a tag sale or whatever, like I feel like every time I see Bart versus the Space Mutants, oh, it's <laughs> a li- the it- label is just like the corner of it where it like folds over the top of the cart is just like eaten up and i don't know if it's you know just like if it's by game or if it's like you know the production runs or whatever but yeah i mean there's definitely you can kind of tell by the look and feel of it a little bit once you kind of get the hang of it but um but yeah there's there's definitely some ones you want to be careful about you know when you talk about that i think i think you'll find and this is kind of what i've got used to seeing you know nintendo made all carts on the NES up to a certain point, and then they allowed other people to start making their own carts and the primary one of those was acclaim and if you look at some of the later Acclaim games, you flip it over and, and it's an Acclaim card. It says that instead of Nintendo. And those are the carts that have that nasty bleed through the label where they've used a super cheap glue that's eaten through. It it wasn't an acid-free glue, and it's mm-hmm. chewed the label up. I uh, didn't know that. Yeah, I yep. don't see that on anything but those later Acclaim games. That's interesting. Yeah, I laughed because uh, when Bill mentioned Bart versus the World, um, yeah, I see all three of the Bart versus games just trash labels every single time. Yeah, you'll see them on like a lot of the later wrestling, the WWF wrestling games, and um, the same sort of thing on every about every copy of Wizards and Warriors three. I find it's the same thing. Again, it's all a claim. <laughs> So speaking of labels too, how do you guys deal with stickers that are half across the label, half across the cartridge? Uh, I mean, it's very carefully. I, I still stick with Goo Gone. Again, being careful that uh, I'm not getting the actual label too wet. Um, but you always start with the edge that's on the existing label and then try to peel towards the cart. 
That way you're not pulling up the label when you uh, peel the... Like, it, might, it might seem like, okay, well, I don't want to dig my nail into the label side of it. But if you start on the cart and peel up, you're probably going to wreck that label. Yeah, what about you, Krabs? Um, I like to take a, like a razor or like a box cutter and cut along the edge of the label. Remove the, the part of the sticker that's not on the label and then just work the label one, like Bill said, from the inside out. Okay. And just kind no, of I, cut I, it in half. I never thought of cutting it. So even though you're going to be kind of taking it off from the inside out, you still like to kind of remove the edge of the, the cart, the part of the label that's on the cart first? Yeah, I don't I don't know why, just kind of a personal preference. Yeah, it's okay. Feels like I have less work to do if I've only got half of the sticker on there. <laughs> well, I can see that too, because I guess sometimes, you know, if you apply a little goo gone to a sticker or something, it'll kind of bleed. And I guess you want to make sure you yep. get that way. You don't have to worry about it bleeding off into some place you don't want it to go. Yeah, that's true. Um, kind of getting back to my cart, Richard. You know, I know you guys talked about um, like cleaning the contacts with like Brasso or something like that. Uh, I do something a little different. What I do is um, I use just like a white art eraser. It's like a kind of a soft um, eraser that you can get. Um, kind of used for like drawing and sketching. And I'll I'll just rub the contacts real well with that, and it kind of you know, gets the gunk and, and junk off of there. And then I'll go back and um, and you know clean the the residue off of it, and then go back with like a little alcohol and just kind of clean the pins off like that. And I get a great I get a really get a great effect off that. Very interesting. Sometimes I've heard of some other alternate techniques for cleaning pins, and some of these kind of scare me a little bit. Don't don't say it. Don't uh, say it. Yeah, sandpaper. Oh right? no! <laughs> yeah, does that horrify you? Like uh, it does me. I, I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't even. I can't imagine anyone who cares about the condition of anything that they're gonna, you know, own. Oh my god! Agreeing to put sandpaper onto a piece of electronics, uh, like uh, the pins. Oh, but you know they'll always say, "Well, it's it's really fine grit." Yeah, it's very fine. It's it's it's, it's, uh, it's okay. It's sixteen hundred grit. No, zero grit. <laughs> yeah. that's how much grit goes on my pins. Have, have you guys ever gotten a cart where someone's done that? I've I've been pretty lucky, and I haven't. But uh, I've I've heard stories. I I don't think I've got a sandpapered one, but I have got ones where people have been so crazy with their clean that they wiped the gold plating completely off it oh, i'm not wow. sure what they used wow. yeah, i have seen a little bit of that i've seen a little bit of the gold kind of like leaving the like like the pin's still there but it's like silver in color because the gold's been like rubbed off uh-huh. yeah 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 oh man that just i've got a couple carts that came in and i could just tell someone just took just sandpaper just you know real bad Ugh. and i'm oh, <laughs> just shouldn't send shivers at my spine really i think um bad stuff um something else that i've heard of and i don't know if you guys have ever heard of this is people talk about like um stovetop cleaner for like um like glass stovetops oh yeah kind of like the yeah i know you're talking about the kitchen cleaner stuff yeah yeah has have you guys ever heard of people using that i i haven't but i use it in my kitchen and it's not like terribly abrasive but you can tell that there is some grit to it because you know it's got you know for you know grease or like you know cake down whatever like if you scrub hard enough with it like it does start kind of uh like pulling stuff up so i mean i I, yeah i I still i I mean i wouldn't condone it uh but uh yeah i've heard of uh 
you know, people using some like, you know, stuff they have lying around the house. But uh, I think there's better things to use than that kind of cleaner. Okay. Yeah, I've had no experience with that. Yeah, I would. I think personally, I would just avoid it because I've got something that works and I know it doesn't screw things up. So, I mean, that's like the brass thing. I've heard plenty of people say great things, but I'm like, what, I, what I'm doing right now works well. Why change it? Sure. Um, now, I'm kind of curious what when you guys have labels that are like sometimes like on an NES game, like the the end label will will peel up. Um, or you'll have like another spot where it's maybe peel a little bit. Do you guys do just a little bit of repair to that to glue those back down, or what do you guys do? I never have before. No. I mean, there's there's been a, I I got a. Uh, it's one of those things that has been on like my to do list that you know I, I I have nothing against doing that. I just haven't gotten around to. Like I don't have too many carts that have that problem. The one that comes to mind is a. Uh, I got a. Uh, uh, Oh, was it uh, Time Killers, the Genesis uh, fighting game? Oh, yeah. Awful. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I picked it up, uh, and this was when I first started collecting. I was going to garage and tag sales all the time, and I you know, I didn't know what really you know values were or anything. So I get to this tag sale, and I see Time Killers, and I was like, okay, like I don't I don't know if this game is good or not, but I don't think I've ever heard of it. So I just did a quick check on my phone, like some you know retail store that posts a price, and they it retailed for like $35. So I was like, oh, okay, like I'll pay $2 for this, so... I remember getting it home, and the like, I realized the cart, like the whole top, the part that folds over, was all pulled up. And I said, "Okay, like note to self, I'll fix that at some point." And I just never went back and did it. <laughs> so I, I don't see I don't see that problem too often. But I mean, I've, I know some people use glue sticks, but I don't know if that's the best thing. I've done it a couple times on just cheap carts because I wasn't sure how well it would work uh, with super glue that I keep in my my box, and it's it's worked very well. It hasn't bled through or caused any damage to the labels, as far as I can tell. So do you just apply the super glue straight onto it or like a little Q-tip and like get a real thin layer so it doesn't bleed or get look wet or anything? Um, the glue that I've got has a really fine tip to uh, to spread it. So okay. I, I just spread a tiny little bit with the, with the tip it's got on, on the cartridge itself and then fold the label down onto it. It doesn't get much at all on there. It's really nice. Sounds good. Yeah, I've used a little super glue before in a couple instances. Um, I think that what I might try to do coming up is my wife does like a lot of scrapbooking and stuff and they make these special acid free, you know, glues. So that way it won't like bleed through your photos or damage things over time. And I think I might try to use some of that and see, I mean, I've never seen any problems with super glue, but I've heard people say, Oh no, you shouldn't use that. Cause it'll eventually, you know, tear the label up. But I don't know. I've never seen evidence of that. All right, well, make sure, everybody, if you if you get your own little rituals or things that we've missed, you know, make sure you post and let us know uh, if we've missed something that's great or if you've got some tips. Um, now, moving on, like, from carts and stuff, then we get into, like, systems. Like, uh, I know when I get a system in, usually, I mean, when I was, we're talking about cartridge-based systems, usually they'll get a tear down. And then I'll just do like a full cleaning of those things. Um, now, when it comes to disk-based systems, I'm not usually so much of that because like the CD mechanisms and stuff, I don't want to mess with them a whole lot. But what do you guys do? Um, I do a full teardown of every system I get, CD and cart-based. But CD-based systems typically don't get fully uh, cleaned on the on the lower portion, like the one that houses uh, the uh uh, the CD mechanism. So, for instance, like the 3DO that I grabbed uh, a, a few months back, 
Um, 3DO is real simple. I think it's just four or like six screws on the bottom and the whole top just kind of comes off. So the whole top kind of went through like with zero electronics or, you know, wire harnesses or anything on it. Just got the whole uh, toothbrush soapy water treatment. And uh, you can you know, then when you're done, you can just kind of run it under hot water because it's just going to dry before you uh, put it back together. But the bottom, you know, unless you want to pull all the electronics out of there and do the same thing, it just gets like a, a careful cleaning with a toothbrush. But obviously it's not going to get that bath once you're done. Um, most cart based systems are, it's easy enough to kind of take all the electronics out and then you really can bathe the, uh, uh, the shell and uh, get it nice and nice and shiny. I'm not quite as hardcore as you guys. Um, I usually have some, uh, unscented baby wipes and I, I do the outside of the shell really well with the baby wipes, open it up. If the inside needs it, I'll do the same. And then with the, the electronics, I'll just have like a can of compressed air and I'll just kind of get the dust out and close her up. I don't really give them the old bath yeah now i i do i i'm the same way as bill i just tear them apart and they get like a very thorough clean the shells um yeah usually just some soapy water and whatnot to kind of go through that. i try to guard the stickers on the outside as much as i can um mm-hmm. usually if you just barely get them damp or something they'll be fine um because they're usually yeah, laminated yeah. you know what's really good with that is if you're you know concerned and you still want to bathe them is uh uh you know like that blue edging painter's tape yeah um, it's it's really good and it's designed not to take anything back up with it, so you can actually kind of press that tape down uh, like hard against the stickers on the back of the uh, system, and then as long as you peel really slowly when you're done, like it won't let anything bleed through and the sticker com- and the the tape comes off cleanly. Oh, that's good. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys like internal like with cart based systems? I mean, I completely tear the thing down to the board clean it all and then reassemble do you guys go that far not quite that far i mean like the the, sh- the the really the shell is my main concern and then similar to Krabby, like all like blow compressed air throughout the you know like the the circuit board and the electronic space just to make sure that there's nothing kind of you know clogging it up especially if it's a system that has fans um like obviously the nintendo super the genesis like most of those early carpet systems they don't have any fans they just kind of have like ventilation uh you know vents um, but anything with fans, especially like, you know, Xbox, uh, PlayStation 2, anything that like, you know, can get clogged up, I really try to get the dust out of there, but I don't take every little thing apart inside usually. No, I'm not that, uh, thrilled with mine either. The only time I really get into them like that's if they start giving me a problem. Hmm. Okay. Um, and like I said, I don't really do that with disk based systems so much, but um, all the cart stuff, I find that they break down so well and they're so well made and sturdy. Man, I just don't have any problems, you know, breaking it down and whatnot. Right. Now, with like an NES and whatnot, I mean, obviously the common problem and everybody knows is like the, um, the, the connector, the pin connector, and then the issues with the lockout chip. So like when I... Uh, refurb uh, a Nintendo. I I take the thing all the way apart. I'll take the um, the pin set and I I I get boiling water and then I just let that thing in there and I just kind of mix it up in the boiling water for a little while to like just really kind of get the gunk out. And then I'll take it out. I'll dry it real well and then I kind of go back and bend up like the bottom set of pins where the cart comes in before I kind of reassemble that. And then I always make sure to go in and kind of disable the lockout chips. So there's never any of those blanky problems again. Um, do you guys do something similar to that? or? Uh, I, I do not. Uh, I've never done a 72-pin repair. 
um, on the couple of Nintendos that I've had, and uh, uh, you know, I have I own a few, and then I gave one to my sister. I got uh, 72 pin replacement connectors from NintendoRepairShop.com. Um, I've uh, I've heard a few places that they're one of the better ones out there, and they're still relatively uh, inexpensive. Um, but you know, I've heard in more recent uh, you know weeks and months that a lot of people don't like doing that because they feel that any third party uh, 72 pin connector is of lesser quality. So I've been interested to hear about uh, you know the way the repairs go. Um, I've heard of boiling water before. I guess I've always been afraid of the you know if I like do you have to hold the connector with some like tongs or something because I feel like if you put it in a pot of boiling water then you could kind of couldn't you melt the plastic if it touched the side of the pot or something like that I worried about that the first time I did it but no <laughs> not really? really I've never had so a you problem. can just you can just drop it in and it's good for a little while yeah I'll just kind of stir it up every minute or two and maybe I'll leave it in there for you know five ten minutes yeah, I'll have to give that. A, I've never done that before. I've got uh, the one thing I can say about the 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 seventy two pin replacements. They're not terribly difficult to replace. There's tons of YouTube videos out there to show you how to do it. Um, the one thing I will say is uh, when they're brand new, they're very tight. So when you kind of slide the cart in on an intent on an NES and then kind of push it down, everything's great until you want to change games. And then you know if you don't have <laughs> Death good grip, like yeah. yeah, if you don't have good like thumb four finger strength. You actually kind of have to, you know, okay, give me a minute, and kind of brace yourself and really, oh, pull the card out. So, I remember giving the system to my sister, and I said, no, like, no joke, like, like, be prepared to get in a fight with this thing. So it does get better. Um, so a lot of times, it, once I replace a new one, I'll just kind of like, you know, put the card in and out, like, uh, you know, twenty, thirty times to kind of like loosen up the pins a little bit. But uh, that's interesting. I'll have to, I'll have to try boiling the connector next time. Yeah, but after you boil it, you really have to go and bend those pins up. I mean, that's yeah. that's the big key because um, I think Public Enemy number one is Game Genie. Um, <laughs> I hate Game Genie because of that because the board is thicker, and the way you kind of have to put it in there, it unnecessarily bends the pins. So um, that's right because it because it doesn't end up going in that down position. It stays connected in that up position, which kind of holds the pins a certain way. Right, and the reason it has to do that is due to um, well, how they got that to work is just they just slapped a giant thick board in it, so it, yeah. it pulls it that wedge apart um, for the kind of the grasp there. So you kind of have to go in and do some of that, and uh, eventually just regular through regular wear. Especially, you know, folks don't don't leave your games in your Nintendo. You know what I mean? If not in the down position anyway, because right. you're just constantly bending those pins. You know, for I mean, you're just gonna wear them out. Um, so I don't. I always make sure when I'm done with the game, I take it out. You know, just close the thing back up when you're done. Um, so yeah, I would. You know, I would recommend refurbishing because I mean, I don't know about you. I had actually one that had a, a replacement pin set that I got, and one of the pins actually became dislodged. Kind of kind of came out of the 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 shell, and just I had to kind of put it back. Yeah. Yeah, it was just like a piece of junk. I, I've had experience doing both. Um, I've ordered the same pin connector replacement from Nintendo Repair Shop. That's what I play on myself at home is the the one I've replaced like that, and I I love it. It works so good. I've I've had it in there for almost three years now and never had any problems with it. And like Bill said, super easy to do. But then uh, one of my clients, um, he's got an old Nintendo that stopped working, so he didn't have any money to to buy a replacement pin so i just use the toothbrush and q-tips and alcohol 
to scrub it up as best I could and then bent the pins up and and that one's been working really great too. Yeah, I should mention that I do like after I take it out of the boiling water and use a toothbrush to kind of scrub the pins off just to get any residual gook and then I just swish it back around in the water again. But yeah, I mean they work, I mean they're pretty resilient. It's not very often that I get one that I can't get working again. So I would encourage you folks, give, at least give that a shot instead of just tossing them out. Do either of you go in and, and disable the lockout chips? Yep. I, I never have. Super easy to do, and I've had a couple licensed games that uh, wouldn't boot up. I actually had to do it so I could play them. Yeah, it's really easy. There's a lot of tutorials that are out there. It's just it's just breaking one pin off a chip, piece of cake. And if you're in yeah. there, and if you're in there doing it anyway and cleaning, you might as well. There's not really a downside except for I have heard that some techniques with some crazy multi-carts rely on some reset signal that that thing has and they may not work properly, but I've never run into one. <laughs> never. Kind of moving on from that, I mean, obviously there's some other systems and whatnot. Is there any other tricks or tips that you guys have for system cleaning? I mean, not really. Just looking, you know, through the collection real quick. I mean, the Nintendo is, you know, the one that I, I've, you know, worked on the most, most familiar with, but I've also, you know, torn apart my... Uh, Sega, all my Sega systems, and most recently my Sega CD Model 2 uh, needs one of those infamous uh, uh, fuse repairs, but that's <laughs> oh, yeah. a different show. Yeah. So uh, um, Apollo Boy is uh, really, really great on a number of forums uh, with uh, system uh, you know, repairs and S-Video editions uh, and mods and all sorts of stuff. He's been giving me a hand a little bit in the, in the PMs, so... I'm going to make an order pretty soon and, you know, practice my soldering before I get in there. But, yeah, that's the only other thing I got going on uh, hardware-wise right now. Very cool. Krabby, anything? Um, no, I don't think so. The only system that I've opened up that's kind of scared me and it closed it right back up was my CDX. Other than that, everything's – you can kind of figure out what's going on in there. Yeah. I would say one of the things I kind of do sometimes is like um, – like Atari or some of the really old systems, you know, they have those RCA connectors on them and they they get kind of dull looking or kind of, you know, sometimes almost like they get a little bit of rust on them. Right, a little corrosion, yeah. Yeah, so sometimes I'll take a little steel wool and just kind of run them on there a little bit and sometimes that kind of helps get those a little cleaned up or shined up. So that might be something you guys, if you want to try that, it seems to work pretty well for me. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll hit it with Brasso next time, see if... Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> see if it works. Um, now, when it comes to disk-based systems, man, I'm, I'm no fan of, of CD-based systems, but, you know, I have them, I play them. What do you guys use, like, to clean up disks? Uh, for, for minor scratches, for things that look like, you know, are just superficial and the game's going to play... I don't worry about it for anything that's on the brink of, uh, this kind of looks weird. Um, my local, uh, retro shop, uh, I'm lucky enough they have a, a, like a CD resurfacer. Um, I think they normally charge a couple bucks per disc, but for most regular customers, they'll just, you know, they'll just do it for you. Um, I have heard that, uh, since you are, you know, taking a tiny layer, uh, you know, phys- physically off the disc, that you're really not supposed to do it too much. Um, but, uh, I haven't had any problems yet, so. Uh, that's really the only thing I do with CD-based games, besides the standard, you know, stickers on the outside shell and stuff like that. Uh, like Bill said, if it's if it's playable, um, just minor scratches, I just leave it as is, 
if it's to the point that it's interrupting the gameplay, I look for a new disc and let someone else deal with it. I don't, I don't <laughs> oh, want to really, re- yeah, there's a place in town that resurfaces and I buy a lot from him. He's, he actually resurfaced a game for me once. Um, and it worked fine. I just hate how it looks after with those kind of like swirls to it. Uh, it drives me nuts. So I'll let mm. someone else. Not, qu- not deal quite with as those. bad as what a game doctor disc looks like. Yeah. Yeah. They no, like those. Yeah. May, like the little handheld kind of ones that you can use. Yeah, I mean the thing is, they actually like I used to sell them years ago when I worked at a like a game store. But I mean they actually do work. Like the game, you know, plays after you're done, which you know because you're going from the inside out and it's not a circular uh, scratch. But uh, I, I I can't stand the way they look after they've been like you know manually redone. So yeah, they do have like a little look to them where you can tell they've been run through. Um, yeah, I've got a retro shop. And uh, I'm in there enough that they'll usually just take care of it for me. They've got a pretty nice machine, though, and it really kind of has like a multi-stage process. So usually when I get the disc out, I mean, it it does kind of a little buffing at the end, and it looks almost new. I mean, it's really nice. Yeah, I think the I I know there's there's several different models, and someone who knows more about it can can post something. But uh, I'm pretty sure that the machine that they use is like a $3,500 machine. So it's it's not like a little kind of you know, basic, uh, you know, Mr. Fix-It uh, type thing. Like, it's actually, and there's, like, a liquid that goes in there. Um, I'm yeah. not sure exactly, uh, you know, how, uh, how what they're doing in there. But uh, when I get the disc back, like, you can kind of tell, looking at it real close, that there's, like, something's been going on, but it looks really good. That sounds like exactly what they've got up here. But yeah. it's like, like Duke was saying about uh, sandpaper on the contacts. That's kind of how I see it. It just makes me cringe. Like, I don't, I don't like it. Well, I mean, basically, I mean, yeah. they're wet sanding it. That's what that's what's going on. Yeah, and what's what what I have, what I've uh, uh, you really have to look for sometimes is because uh, the data obviously isn't like right on the underside of the disc. It's you know you go through the disc and then the data is kind of on the underside of almost up top where the label is. So a lot of times, if there's a really deep scratch on the top of the disc, it's already affected the data to the point where your gameplay may be affected. So you got to kind of watch out for that if you're out shopping for games. Yeah. And have yeah. you guys ever heard of uh, disc rot? Yep. Uh, yeah. It was, it was on the forums a few days, uh, not long ago, like uh, some, you know, some arguments over, you know, what causes it or how, uh, how much of a problem it is. I've never really experienced it firsthand, so I couldn't say. I've had no experience with it either. I've, I've heard the rumors, seen the pictures, but I've had tons of disc based games and never had an issue. Yeah, I've never run into it either, but, um, you know, from what people say, it's just, uh, if you've not heard of it before, you uh, it's basically like the reflective surface, um, part of it gets damaged where the it won't reflect anymore, and you can take the disc and, like, hold it up to a light and actually see through the, um, the reflective layer, and, and it's just not good at that point anymore. And that's caused by the manufacturing process, is it not? Yeah, from what I understand, um, that's what I've heard. So it's not it's not like something you if you don't care for it properly, you got to watch for it. It's just something that happens once in a while, right? Yeah, um, I heard that there were certain like a, an era where it was more prone than others, but I, I don't know the details. I would just say you know buyer beware, be careful. It's something to watch out for. People say it exists. I'm sure it probably does at some point. Um, now with your disc games, I work. I used to work at a rental place, so we had this quite a bit. They'd, they'd make us put these stupid little, uh, those lovely void stickers around the center uh, of a of a disc. But I'm, I've also seen, I've also seen stickers like 
much bigger like cover the whole top of the disc but they're just clear they have just a tiny little wording around the edge yep. so they're almost unnoticeable but they're so big that i don't even dare to try and remove them i wouldn't buy the game I, really? i'm with even Bill. if it's something you're looking for um, it's, uh, I, I think I would have to live through that situation to, to, to see what I would do. But, but honestly, I mean, like, I know a lot of people, you know, you see on forums all the time, former rentals and that, and that's totally cool. Cause if the game still works and it's in your collection, that's awesome. Um, and it's weird. I know for me, like, who's not terribly picky about condition to say it, but, um, if there's a sticker on the disc, I I'm almost a hundred percent not going to buy that. I bring it up because I, I got a good deal on a copy of Guardian Heroes because it had one of those clear stickers across the whole top. Complete in box copy. Everything about it's flawless except for this sticker. And it's almost not noticeable because it's, like I said, it's just clear. But there's this just tiny little fine print around the edging that says, you know, like Ray's home videos or whatever the, the place rental place was. Yeah, I I think I'm with Bill. I mean, usually when I see those, I just don't buy um, now, don't get me wrong. If somebody was like, "Oh, hey, I'll say this copy of Shining Force Three for ten bucks," okay, <laughs> you know, what I mean? I'll, I'll upgrade yeah, later. Yeah, but... at that, at, yeah, at that, at, exactly. At that point, I guess I should have said I'm uh, extremely price conscious at that point. So if uh, so, if like a Panzer Dragoon Saga or a Guardian Heroes or you know like anything that's uh, kind of up there comes out and say, like, "Okay, ten dollars." Yeah, I'm going to grab it, especially if there's no noticeable flaws on the actual like artwork or inserts or manuals, and I will totally do a disc upgrade later cuz discs are one of those things that uh there's 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 sometimes people looking for disc only even on like eBay or something like that, but a lot of times you can kind of sneak away with something um cuz if it's just you know one of those weeks where like no one else is looking for a Guardian Heroes disc, you know, you might get lucky. That's yeah. That's my whole reason for picking up stuff like that. Like I've got a few because lots of the rental stores in town went out of business, so they all had things marked down, buy one get one free sales. So I've got quite a few rentals, and I I look for those disc only copies to uh, to swap my discs out. Hmm. I guess it is what it is um, with discs, and I'm sure everybody kind of has. You know, there's obviously there's players and there's collectors, but. Yeah, from a collecting standpoint, those stickers to me are just a no-go. I'm just terrified at what they're going to do the disc at some point in time. Um, yeah, I just... And, like, the whole thing, too, with those is that if those discs aren't, like, perfectly weighted and they are they wobble or they're not... You know what I mean? Sure, You've got those sure. things yeah. spinning really quickly. And I would just... I'd be afraid to tear the hub up or something. And Yeah. Yeah. Well... When it comes to, like, cases for CD-based games, I mean, most of them are really easy to deal with, except for, like, Saturn and Sega CD, right? <laughs> I, I love of it. Of course, you, yeah. you don't, don't have to be uh, careful with the goo gone. You could just load it on there and let it, <laughs> let it soak. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yep. Take the take the artwork out, artwork out so you just have the case yeah. and just let it flow. Yep, yep. I'm the same <laughs> way. That's It makes you feel good. And a lot of times, as long as it's not, like, Saturn or Sega CD... Who gives a crap? I'll just grab a one off another CD or something and swap yeah, I mean, it out. Yeah, as long as it's a clear case, you know, obviously because the art, most of those games have artwork on the reverse side. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, I find them all over the place. You can get them dirt cheap online. So I mean, no reason to keep a bad one. I've actually I've talked about this with a bunch of people, and actually one of the guy who owns the local retro store he says to me one day, he's like, "How come nobody has manufactured 
those C- those Sega CD and, and Saturn size cases, even if it's just for the small collector market. And I said, you know what? Like, I bet if somebody did a Kickstarter for that, I, I bet you it would be successful because it was because <laughs> right right now already people buy you know like a dollar two dollar sports titles you know whatever yep. they can get just for case replacements. Oh, absolutely. So so could you imagine if like you know some you know a bunch of people just kind of like you know got a like you know you call a plastic manufacturer you get a quote say hey here's the exact case we want to make like what's it going to cost you know I'm sure that would work. There you go. Somebody's entrepreneurial that's listening. Go for it. Start the Kickstarter. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. throw a few if, bucks if no, in there. If, if no one does it in the next, uh, I don't know, let's say month, uh, that's my project for the fall. Rock and roll. You, you go after it, Bill. Um, so moving on, you know, you guys are cardboard guys. So um, boxes, right? Boxes yep. and stickers. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to bow out of this and kind of let you guys talk about boxes <laughs> for a minute. Well, you get, crab, you get anything uh, from those places that shut down uh, like box-wise that have rental stickers on them? Um, not those places, but there was a rental store that closed down before I even moved here. And one of the pawn shops bought all this stock and I ended up buying a huge box of just the, they've got like the crushed N64 boxes, not crushed, but like unfolded. Like, like, like collapsed. Yeah. So I picked up all those and several of them had, uh, had the store stickers on them. Um, I had great, great luck with, uh, the hairdryer method. Just don't get it too close. Don't put it on too long. So you don't want to, to burn the game. And then just uh, it kind of loosens up the glue on the sticker, and then they come right off. And then a little tiny dab of the goo gone, and you're you're set. Yeah, I mean, I've I've talked about it before. I, I never really got into the hair dryer method, even on a even on a box. Um, you know, you just uh, at that, I I only put a little bit of goo gone though. I get like a Q-tip. Mm-hmm. I get a little goo gone right on the uh, the tip of it, and I just kind of like you know almost like draw it onto the sticker, like brush it on. And you know, like how like the the sticker, like you'll see it kind of absorb all the goo gone. It'll just kind of spread. Yeah. And uh, once the whole thing's kind of covered, it'll actually start to dry fairly quickly. Uh, and that's like the goo gone kind of going down to the adhesive layer. And then I'll do it again, like a little dab of goo gone. I'll kind of draw it on there again, and you'll see it kind of go down. And then I'll just kind of like lightly, I'll start with like one corner and just kind of make sure that the whole sticker is coming up. If the whole sticker is coming up, then I just keep doing that like little by little. I very rarely just take the sticker and try to peel it back because it, it almost always rips. But I just kind of like, you know, scrape like little by little. And it always, I've always had good luck with it coming straight off like that. I guess I'm just worried because, you know, you know, when you see a water damaged box and it's like all wavy and wrinkled, I'm always yeah. worried that if I, if I put any fluid on there, I'm going to get that effect, even if it's just in that spot. You've never had yeah, that happen. I, I, yeah, I definitely, you know, I tried it out on a couple of games that were not like throwaways, but like, you know, you're not going to try it out on your, you know, uh, on like any box that you really care about. So it was like a, it was a, like a throwaway game that like had like a, like a busted up box. Was, oh, let me just try it on this. And I just, uh, or no, you know what it was? It was uh, the rental, the video store that I used to, uh, that I helped liquidate uh, about a year ago. They had a ton of stickers. So I grabbed like, you know, the NHL 94s, 95s, 96s, and I just kind of like perfected the method that way. And I even waited a few weeks after I did it to see if there was any like residual effects from the, uh, from the, the goo gone, but right. uh, there really haven't been. And uh, so um, I'd probably be a little bit more cautious if it was like a regular Nintendo box, just because... Uh, especially certain boxes seem to be less glossy than certain like you know newer like Super Nintendo boxes seem sure. to have like a little bit more of that gloss to them. Um, but yeah, never really had any issues with Goo Gone as long as you're very very uh, conservative with the amount you put on there. 
Um, one time I I did see the the Gugon start to kind of bleed onto like the the cart label, and that's when I kind of backed off and stopped for a little bit. Um, but still was able to get it off without damaging the label. <laughs> no, I found with the hair dryer that you come off just like a band aid. You just go slow and doesn't comes off like perfectly there's very little residue left over after and it's great the only thing you yeah, kind of got to watch for is if, if it's rental and you know the getting lots of sunlight you might have a discolored spot where the sticker spot still looks new and the rest of the box is kind of faded in comparison but uh usually it looks pretty good right i'll have to give it a try maybe maybe i'll uh i'll switch methods so what do you guys do about smoky smelly cardboard boxes no oh, i got the secret <laughs> oh, let's hear it. Well, I, I think, I don't it's probably not, it's, you know, everyone, a lot of people probably know about this, but uh, I bought a, a, a great, great, great bunch of uh, box Nintendo games a while ago, and I got home and I smelled them, and I was like, oh my, God, the whole box reeked of smoke. And it was weird because the games were in amazing shape, so it's like this person who cares so much about this stuff, but then, you know, lets it in a, this smoky environment all the time, so it's kind of, you know, weird to me. But I, I mentioned something online, and someone said, Dryer sheets, man. Some, uh, uh, you know, just uh, like the the ones you throw in the dryer, like with a load of laundry, so you can get them uh, unscented, which is, uh, you know, if you don't want your game smelling like a spring <laughs> freshness. You want to snuggle, um, crawling yeah. into your game box. <laughs> well, yeah, you could actually theme it to the game if you really wanted to. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you can get the uh, the wartime smell for Rambo and the uh, so like the. The gym for Mike Tyson's punch out. So, what exactly would bad dudes smell like? <laughs> oh. uh, probably cheeseburgers, doesn't it? Yeah, pr- probably. And the man's got to eat. So, so yeah, and it's uh, um. So the uh, the cool thing with those dryer sheets, I mean, they they absorb uh, that. I mean, I've heard similar things about uh, uh what is it like? Uh, you know, like the 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 thing you th- that that like blue spiky ball thing you throw into the dryer, but sheets just work way better. So. I just, you know, you kind of stack the boxes up, you know, vertically because you never stack boxes, you know, horizontally. <laughs> and what I did was I would actually, because uh, dryer sheets, again, they're, they're cheap. So you get, I got a, like a couple boxes for like three or four dollars at the Target brand. And I would take one dryer sheet and I actually put it inside the box, um, you know, without the game in it, uh, obviously, because the games uh, like I, I do separately. So that way, um, you know, so I got a dryer sheet in the box and then I would put a dryer sheet in between every game. And then I actually do the cart separately. So I'll like stack a cart uh, horizontally, put a dryer sheet, stack a cart, dryer sheet, cart, dryer sheet. And you just give it like uh, as, as really as long as you want to until the smell starts to go away. But be careful because like after a few hours, you'll pick up any one of those things and smell it. And you absolutely will not smell anything. But then like six hours later, you kind of will. So leave it longer than uh, you think you need to because it's not going to hurt it. Um, I think I left mine for like a day or two. Uh, just kind of like off to the side in a room, and I'm telling you, like, there's no smell left. It's it works great. Very cool. That's kind of like the, you know, people stick the box of baking soda in their fridge. Oh, that's kind of the same idea, right? Yeah, same idea. So, uh, yeah, but it's the same thing. Like, just anything that absorbs odors. So, baking soda is kind of like a like a catch-all in like the in the you know the area of your fridge or freezer or whatever. And this mm-hmm. kind of does the same thing. You just like kind of like apply it right to the boxes. Very cool. Um, with uh, system boxes. Um, do you ever just leave price tags on there? I kind of like them. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I like. I, I do. It's. It, I don't like, and it's weird. I don't like price tags on games, but I don't mind them on system boxes. Yeah, I'm the same way. Uh, all yeah. my games, they have to go. But I've got. I'm. I'm really glad that like my Neo Geo AS box still has the price tag on it. I think it's really cool. 
Yeah, I don't have a, uh, my my 32X has a price uh, sticker on it. I had a Jaguar with a price sticker on it years ago, but I got rid of it. I also, this kind of getting off topic, but I really, really love when a game's got the original receipt in it. Yeah, I, I've, I've made uh, a couple of EB Games guys uh, pull them out of the trash for me after they threw them out. I'm like, no, I want that. Put it back in there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You see the sickness I have to put up with people. Uh, there are others listening to this show. Don't forget uh, that are are going to be taken aback by your strangeness. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll get into that more later. The strangeness of collectors. There you go. Yeah, I think we were just talking before recording about uh, uh, the OCD of uh, some of us. Yeah, I think we all probably have. It's just how well we disguise it, right? Yep. Um. Okay. So. One other thing when we talk about systems that I at least want to discuss, and, and just curious if you guys have, have thought about this or tried it, I'm sure you probably heard of it, and that is Retrobrite. So if you get, I have not heard no, I have not heard of that. I haven't either. It's new to me. Really? Okay. Um so common problem you find with um especially like Super Nintendo and whatnot is when they become that yellow discolored look. <laughs> um, and from what I understand, it has to do with um, there was like a, a bromine chemical that was added to as a fire retardant, and it like comes to the surface eventually. You know, when you expose uh, the system to um, ultraviolet light, and no doubt you guys have seen these, right? Yeah, yeah. I've, I actually found a really good article explaining the science behind why that happens a while ago. It's it's uh, actually pretty interesting. So. Retrobrite is just a name for the method for removing that yellow color and turning it back to its original color, kind of almost through like a a chemical bleaching, but it's not, uh, I don't know if it's exactly that. Um, if you do some Googling, you'll, you'll find it. And there's some YouTube videos that, that people have done. Uh, but basically the process is just using um, hydrogen peroxide and sunlight. So if you um, take that yellowed shell, you're going to want to submerge it in hydrogen peroxide and then get it out into the sun so it can get as much direct sunlight as possible. And the chemical reaction with the hydrogen peroxide and the sun actually removes that yellowed color and turns it back to the original color. Hmm. I'm gonna have see, to I didn't look that see, up. Yeah, I didn't. I never. I haven't heard of that. I've. I didn't think that it was the yellowing was coming to the surface because most of the yellowed Super Nintendos I've seen, when you open them up, it's kind of like yellow all the way through. So I didn't know it was just something that was coming out to the surface and that you could kind of re like reverse that process. Yeah, I'll see if I can throw a, a link in the show notes, but um, yeah, it works. I've seen the results myself. I've seen the posts. I've seen the videos. Um, I've. I'm kind of would be eager to try it, but to really do a good job at it, you kind of need like a fish tank, you know, so you can really submerge your parts. And I don't, right. I don't have one. So if I run across one at a yard sale, I'm gonna pick it up. I'm gonna give it a shot because. Um, well, well, you know, you know what you probably do have is uh, as a you know as a yard sailor is most is a lot of times actually people are selling the stuff that their old video game stuff in like you know great big like rubber made plastic containers. Yeah, the thing though is you'd really need to you really need it to be completely like glass because you need really? to get as okay. much sun exposure as possible. In fact, the video that I watched, the oh, guy... Oh, so they want sun exposure while it's in there. Yeah. Okay. Ah. Yeah, I misunderstood that too. I thought you took it out afterwards and stuck it on the deck. 
No, you yeah. um, basically. So, so it's it's the combination of the liquid and the sunlight together at the same time. Yes. Okay. Yes, it causes a chemical reaction, and for whatever process, it it removes that yellowing. Um, and so, like the setup I saw the guy had on the YouTube video, he had a fish tank, and he would put the pieces in, and you know, put fill it up with hydrogen peroxide. And then to keep the parts from floating to the top, he would put like a sheet of glass on top of them. And then he had mirrors around it to kind of focus the sunlight so all the edges around it, even on the sides, would get good exposure to the light. So you wouldn't have like one part that was nice and clean and another part that was nasty and yellow. And he'd leave it in there for a few days. And when they came out, they looked fantastic. That's quite the process. Guess, That's interesting. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess check the weather forecast, make sure it's going to be sunny. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but he said he could get a lot of his neighbors would come by and ask him what the heck he was doing. But, <laughs> um, he kind of showed in the video like some different stages and whatnot, and it was really pretty amazing. So um, I'll link. I'll see if I can find that video. I'll link to it, and um, I'll be curious to hear you know any of the listeners if you guys have tried retro brighting or um, share your experiences if you've heard of it. Um, and one of these days when I can get around to it, I'll, I'll report my results. And uh, maybe you guys can give it a shot, too. All right. So anything else that you guys want to talk about in terms of, of like, cleaning? Uh, nothing immediately comes to mind. I think we hit all the, the major things. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's pretty much I me. Mean, most of my routine consists of uh, cleaning games. Um, we haven't really talked about box protectors, but that's not really cleaning. That's more like a you know, like a preservation thing. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, m- most of my uh, like my Super Nintendo, and my 32X are in box protectors, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of the last step of the process. Is I know some people uh, aren't crazy about box protectors. They you know would rather just have the games out and breathing, and that's totally cool. I just got to a point where I was kind of taking them on and off the shelf uh, enough where I was like, uh, I'd kind of like to just have a thin layer of protection in between there. So I ended up, you know, making the plunge. Yeah. I think we're going to do another episode on like displaying and storing stuff. So that I think that would be more relevant to that. Yeah. That totally. Podcast. Sounds good. All right. So again, you know, Hey, if you're listening you've got some ideas, you got some thoughts, if you have questions, maybe you want to hear more about some of this, you know, make sure to let us know. Um, you know, you can find us on RF generation in the forums, go ahead and post, um, you know, there, there's a wide variety of different methods, and I'm sure we're going to hear some pretty interesting ones um, because of this conversation. I hope so. Yeah, I, I want to learn more about stuff like retro writing and uh, whatever else you guys do. It's always cool to try new methods. Maybe you got some better ones or cheaper ones or whatever. Right, well, thanks everybody for listening um, to this episode of the RF Generation Collector Cast, and uh, I'd like to say thanks to our special guest, uh, Wild Bill. Thank you very much for having me. It was a lot of fun. It was a pleasure. And uh, as usual, Krabby, uh, wonderful job. You always seem to bring uh, an interesting bit to the the show each time. <laughs> you know, I, what are you gonna? You've you've done stadium events. You've done the the bikes now. I, I'm pretty scared to figure out what you're gonna find next. Yeah, I don't know. It might be all downhill from now on. <laughs> uh, we'll see. 
So folks, you can find us um, several different ways. Uh, you can find us obviously on rfgeneration.com. That's kind of our home website. Uh, rfgeneration.com, home to uh, a wonderful uh, collecting database, some wonderful forums, great groups of people. I uh, highly encourage you to stop over. You'll find the main post there with all the show notes, and uh, you can feel free to go over there and comment. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes. Uh, we're also on Podomatic, and you can find us there at rfgenerationcollectorcast.podomatic.com. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, my channel is DukeTogo74. Uh, you can also just, of course, search for CollectorCast. And uh, I think, as I mentioned before, we've recently been added to Stitcher Smart Radio. So you can go to stitcher.com. You can find the app on the uh, the uh, app stores for both Android and iOS. Uh, if you'd like to donate to the show, well, we'd be happy to have it. You can, uh, at the Podomatic site, you've got a donate link. Uh, we really appreciate all that. All that money goes into um, producing the show. Um, I'd ask that if you get a chance on iTunes, uh, please subscribe and rate us. Um, rating us kind of helps us bump up in the rankings a little bit, lets other people know kind of what we're about and what you liked about the show. Maybe even if you didn't like something, that's okay. You can rate us too. And um, we really appreciate all the feedback that we get from the listeners and um, love to hear more. All right, well, thanks everybody for listening again. And um, thanks, Krabby, for sticking with me for another show. No problem. It's always yeah. a good time. And thanks for hanging out, Bill. Absolutely. And uh, we'll see you guys next time.